We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is unfortunately not here. However, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we have these special bonus episodes where we talk about... We do either one of our fun commentaries or something completely different. And this is one of our fun commentaries. This is uh, the month of July 2018. And in honor of the upcoming Mission Colon Impossible Dash Fallout, we are talking Mission Colon Impossible. The 1996 debut of this film series starring Tom Cruise, directed by Brian De Palma. The adaptation of the popular TV show. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. We're going to talk about the original Mission Impossible film. And joining me to discuss said film we have from Why So Blue and the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast, recording very cautiously next to a cracked fish tank, it's Brandon Peters. Yo, red light, green light! From Forbes, he's finished sending an email through America Online, it's Scott Mendelson. This bubblegum tastes weird. And lastly, just south of Langley, Virginia, you've never seen him very upset, it's Alan Aguilera. I'm a very even-tempered man, but, you know, <laughs> I just, unless you find something I like, and you squeeze. How are the three of you doing tonight? Fantastic. I'm doing well. I am amped and ready to go. Well, good. We gotta we gotta Let's get this, this thing moving. So uh, for those of you that don't are unaware for some reason, but have like, hey, Mission Impossible commentary. Why not? This is how we do it. It's Friday night. Right, um, so we uh, we have the movie. Uh... <laughs> this whole commentary was a decoy. We have currently we all have the movie paused at five seconds in. Uh, at this, I'm gonna count down from three and say go. And on the sound of go, I'm gonna press play. We're all gonna press play, and we're gonna start talking over the movie. So if you want to watch the movie and listen to us, first off, cool, good on you for taking that initiative, and uh, you can just listen and sit back and enjoy. For those of you that are just listening to listen, you don't have to do anything. You just keep listening. You don't even have to press pause or anything. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk over the movie of Mission Impossible, the original. Uh, 1996 Mission Impossible, not to be confused with any other Mission Impossibles, and yeah, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get to it. Gotta get going. So, you guys ready? Yes. Yep. That would be hold a, on a yeah, second. Yes. Hold on me, a second, Aaron. I'm ready. Okay. That's hold a yes on. for give me, me. Give me one second. Okay. Give me one second. Yep. It was paused for so long that my DVD player turned off. I know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Three. Are you ready? No. Hold on. <laughs> okay. 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 All I'm right. You can play right now. Don't press, play, right don't press play. Don't press play. I haven't yeah, 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 counted yeah, 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 out. Yeah. Strike the match. Recording. Light the fuse, Aaron. You ready? This is the longest thing in my life. I'm gonna. Ca- are you ready? Yes. Okay. Yes. Three, yes. two, one, go. Don't, don't, This does kick off with the 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 um, Danny Elfman score for the first one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's banging. Which uh, now he's done other like non Tim Burton scores, but the same. <laughs> but like, I always thought like among the like this is a big Tom Cruise production, and the thing that we have is Danny Elfman on the composer beat. That's which is like that's a curious choice to me. Well, yeah, because I mean it's it's it, it's even back then, you know, unless they were like straight up dramas like Summersby or something like that, when he would do a big movie. His music was usually the most notable thing about the score. Yeah, the Sam Raimi I mean, films. Or, very, yeah. you know, obviously something like this, you know, you have the theme song, and that's what everyone's gonna you know pay attention to. Having said that, there's some great cut, there's some great cues in here. Yeah, there are, including the one scene that we'll get to in a, in a little bit that confused all of America. It's a mix yeah. of but, like God, the music in that sequence is beautiful. It's a mix of like this noirish tone as well as like the big action beat tone and this like success theme that kind of plays every now along with the score, obviously too. And it's like, but like just thinking of, I guess I mean 
Danny Elfman's a big deal at this point. It's 1996. He's done a lot of, like, notable things. But it's, like, Tom Cruise, De Palma, Robert Town, Steve Zalian, and the guy from Oingo Boingo is doing the music. And it's like... <laughs> well, I would argue back then the fact that, they, that Elfman was doing the score was another notch on his film's belt at that point. I mean, well, there, was also a, there was also a Moby uh, rendition of the score as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Keeping it for this. Which so. I... Accidentally and they bought. had U2 do the theme song. Yeah, U2 did the song. Yeah, U2 was well, doing not all U2 kind of... proper, but I think it was Edge and no, it's, the it's, drummer, it's, right? It's, it's Larry Mullen, Larry Mullen Senior right. Son, and Adam Clayton. Yes. Yeah. The two and U2 you don't know the names of. That's yeah. the... But yeah. I, I've listened to plenty of you talking U2 to me with Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott, so I know all the members of U2 very well at this point. So, I mean, this opening sequence is basically majority of Mission Impossible, the TV series episodes, where they create a fake scenario mm-hmm. for yeah, someone like to spill room, some yeah. guts. Yeah. And, you know, using masks, you know, that's what, uh, what's his name was the specialist at, uh, gosh darn it. Mr. Phelps? <laughs> Not Mr. Phelps. Uh, uh, the, Landau? Martin, Martin Landau? Yeah, Landau. Yeah. He was the guy, he's the actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so okay, yeah. so here's a good question right now. Did, are you guys familiar with the TV show? Did you guys watch the show? I watched uh, like reruns growing up. I don't. I never caught the the 1988 89 revival. Mm-hmm. That was like before this. That didn't didn't take off. But um, I've actually seen more of that than the original show. Uh, apologies. Um, if I recall, that was actually literally remakes of the old episodes that were shot during a TV strike. Mm-hmm. Um. So basically, they were you know basically remakes of the old show, so they didn't have to rewrite anything. Um, I love that they keep the, the, the intro too. Yeah, the oh, d- I, d- just a pause for a second yeah. to talk about this. Yes, the intro in the TV show that was a big thing. They would show like clips from the shit from the episode in the midst of mm-hmm. like the the opening title sequence, and that's what this first movie does. The second and third avoid this. Someone's got to turn it down a little bit um, on this recording. Um, but nope, uh, not me. I think it's Alan. Um, you think it's me? Yeah, but uh, I have the subtitles on, so I don't know. Yes, <laughs> I can hear yours. Uh, but the, yeah, the second and third they don't do it. Then the fourth and the fifth one, and presume I believe the sixth one. Um, Scott knows this. I don't. They all do like I, they yes. all they all show like mm-hmm. clips from that are coming up in the movie, which I admire. Actually, I don't see it as a I don't like yeah. I don't see it as a spoiler so much. I see it as a guys. This is what you get to prepare for. Out of context, things from this part of the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I no like different it. than I mean, a trailer. Yeah. I think it's neat, but I still cover my eyes the first time I see the movie. Okay. Just because, whatever. <laughs> you know, I certainly, it's not going to judge anyone else, but it's something I appreciate on repeat viewings. I'd say, like, this first one, I think it really doesn't matter. It doesn't give me much to, like, work no, with. No, it's very it sporadic. Doesn't. But, like, the fourth one, the fourth one really maps out the entire movie in the same way. Yeah. It's like it's like the Titanic opening as far as showing you exactly what's going to happen. But it's still, for me, it still works. It's still like, yeah. Brad Bird's going to wow you with all this stuff, and you're going to find out how soon. And I like that. I like that approach to it. Well, I mean, it, it's like if... Uh... After seeing the movie, if you go back and watch the opening uh, credits, uh, you know, art to the to Skyfall, it maps out that whole movie. You uh-huh. just didn't know it when you first saw it, and yeah. that's kind of like it is with this one. I mean, you just expected that those were supposed to be maybe when you first see this movie, you didn't know it was clip. You could have been like mock-ups for stuff just shot for that to make it look like this gang's been together for some time. Yeah, for sure. 
I and don't I'm not, have. To... I'm not trying to slow it down and remember everything I'm seeing right there. It's just an opening uh, uh, montage show. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't have the time or talent, but I would love to do a list of all the spy movies where they put everybody's every undercover operative on and their real identities on one list. And oh crap, that list got stolen. I think yeah, um, maybe they should stop doing that. I saw that question get posed on Twitter by I think guest, a guest on your show, Brandon, uh, Brian Collins. I think he asked if there are other mm-hmm. other movies before this one that invented the whole uh, the the identities of all these secret agents getting out like plot. And I'm trying um, to, I'm trying to think if there are any. Drop other... zone. Drops it was drop zone. I mean, it's a little more complicated because they have to like go into a building and break into. I mean, it's not just here's a here's a disc. But that is the plot of Dropso, where the bad guys are trying to get, you know, undercover operatives and sell them to bad guys. Starring Emilio's brother. Uh, Wait, which was Dropso? Dropso's was. What am I thinking? I'm thinking Terminal Velocity. Terminal Velocity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there's too many. It's gonna be skydiving <laughs> movies. <laughs> oh. Well, I don't think I think this was the first one. It's the mid '90s. You know, before this was probably just legal pad or written on stone, so it's not really available for everybody on the internet. <laughs> stone, yeah. Remember, remember that, remember that, remember that Flintstones episode where where Fred had to get all the identities from Mr. Slate uh, from all the yeah. the former employees <laughs> at Slate Company, like Methuselah's on there, and yeah, his real name, yeah, exactly. stuff like that. Yeah, Methuselah, so, played by Anthony Hopkins from Mission Impossible Two. Mm-hmm. So I have to say, when I when I first saw this movie. I, the name Jim Phelps wasn't sticking with me because I just watched reruns out of context whenever I'd see him growing up. I thought it was a cool show, but, you know, trying to catch an old show in its I like things from the beginning or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's harder to do back then. Um, so the name Jim Phelps didn't really stick with me. And John Voight, this might have been like the first thing I really ever saw him in because yeah, okay. I was like 14 and I wasn't going back to any, any old movies I was going back to didn't have John Voight. I didn't. So I... You didn't watch Midnight the, the, Cowboy when you were like eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of childhood you I, had, I was maybe? I was six. I got bored. I, I turned it off. Um, look how clean no, cut he is, by the way. You never see John Voight look this normal in movies, like at this point right. in his career. He but, like those suspendies. Like a year yeah. a year before, oh, and he wonderful. he has like a giant beard and long hair. So it's like now he's all shaven. He looks professional. He looks like a guy Glenn that Glenn Gary Glenn. Voight. He looks like he's... he looks like the kind of guy that wouldn't abandon his daughter. Like you know, it's the kind of like regular guy. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I didn't know he was his big presence. So him getting like bumped off, quote unquote, early on, just like oh okay. So I, expecting him to return later on. And you watch this movie now, and you're like okay, when's he coming back? But well, yeah, back when know, I he, first he's... saw it, yeah. No, he's the you know now of course he's the Sean Bean of the movie. He's the vaguely well-known actor. Gets second or third billing. He gets killed off in the first you know in this case twenty twenty-five minutes. Yeah, but and uh, also t- you know. In this day and age, and even back then, the idea of the crusty old mentor turning out to be the villain is basically a cliche. I mean, it had been done, you know, it, it was done a month later in Eraser. Yeah, I mean, you say Sean yeah. Bean, but like Sean Bean generally stays dead, though. That's the difference between yeah. the two. Yeah. Uh, like, I, for me, I knew who he was. Ergo, I knew he wasn't going to die. Yeah, but like the the one example that you can think of of Sean Bean dying and coming back is Goldeneye. Like every other thing, he, yeah. he just stays dead the whole time. <laughs> like that's that's yeah. Yeah. Sean Bean. Sorry, that's the frame of reference I was getting. I, I hear you with John yeah. Boyd. Like I could buy, like especially at this time, I could buy the idea of. Especially because it's, I guess if you have the reverence for Jim Phelps, like, wow, they just killed, like, they're really going new with this Mission Impossible thing. They killed off the lead star of the TV show to make room for Tom Cruise now, which is... Well, I mean, and you have Emilio Estevez going alongside with him, and he, yeah. he was 
This was down that, that you know, Emilio's peak was descending down, but he was still well, like Emilio's more the oh, Sean yeah. Bean of this movie, like as far as that yeah. goes. I would say, like as far as fame. In level. terms of in terms of fame, yeah, yeah. I agree with you on that. Yeah. And I think even in '96, yeah, it was kind of shocking that he gets killed along with everybody else at the 27 minute mark, and, like, and then he's the first one to go. And like Kristen Scott Thomas is pretty yeah. big at this time, also. Like you know, the, yep. it's a, like they kill a lot of people in this opening sequence. So, yeah. so when <laughs> when those three go, they just you know it's. It's like, oh, okay, they put these big people here to bump them off to take us by surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so Voight can go with them, and you just expect he's as dead as they are, I, yeah. I suppose. This is a big year for Kristen Scott Thomas, by the way. she got this in The English Patient and a few other yeah. things. You know. uh, yeah, I think she, she was more in the about to, you know, like the taking off type role. Sure. But, I mean, she was somebody. But, but yeah, but the, I mean, she was a... on the rise and, you know, Emilio going down. She had like four weddings and a funeral. and Yeah. Yeah, I know. I hear what you're saying for sure. I get that. It, you know, <laughs> ra- 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 Random Hearts was like peak uh, Scott Thomas. Tom Cruise as Matthew Modine yeah, as right? Senator John Meltzer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's. I want to get before we. Oh, here's the gum. Um, <laughs> it looks delicious. Look at Cruise, by the way. Not like not much has changed. I mean, he's a little more fresh faced here, but like, dude, yeah. dude, dude looks like Tom Cruise still. Well, I think this is, you know, I, 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 for one thing, this was a slightly more, uh, you know, adult movie, not in terms of, you know, R-rated PG-13 or whatever, but he wasn't playing, you know, it, this was, I think his arc in this one is that he, he realizes he's not as awesome as he thinks he is in the opening scenes. <laughs> it was a slight subversion of his, his archetype. Which the rest or of it's which, regular, which the, or it's Days of Thunder. Which the rest of the movies completely throw away, except for the third one, I guess. Uh, to a certain extent, I, I I I will argue, as absurd as this might sound to everyone else, I think his actions in part two are him dealing with the betrayal that he suffers here, um, trying to sort of refine, you know, to be the good guy again. Um, I I hear what I mean, you're saying. I can see that as far as looking back on it, that's a neat way yeah. to take it. But I don't think the I'd be very curious if that's, the, if that's the same thought yeah. that like he and apparently Robert Town, <laughs> to yeah. Cruz's go-to screenwriter in the '90s before Christopher McQuarrie came along, what, what they had to say uh, about that. I, I feel like though, in the first two films, he's—I mean, we can put stuff on it, but he's kind of empty action hero. He's in solid. The first yeah, two he's films. solid Snake. He's you know he's everybody. He's Link. He's everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta. I gotta. There's two things I still want to get back to. By the way, we didn't finish our first question because I didn't ask Alan. Alan, did you watch the TV show? Um, growing up, uh, I'll give you a quick answer to move on. Okay. No. Okay. I I uh, I did. Um, I watched it with my mom. We watched the reruns a lot when there was like Nick and Knight all the time. Yeah. Yes. So yes. I was, I was very familiar with the show, so it was like cool. They made a, a a new version of this thing, and like watching it at that time. What was I? Jeez. <laughs> Eight? Um, <laughs> seven? Um, at that point, I was like, all right. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, this is, this seems some, this seems somewhat complex, but I enjoy the action stuff going on. But like watching it now, it's like De Palma directs the hell out of this movie. Oh, like, yeah. It, yeah this, a, is this is a very amazing. De Palma. Like we just talked about Jurassic Park last month for our commentary, which is available on iTunes right now. It's a very good commentary. And we talked about how that's like the. It's like an ultimate Spielberg movie as far as all the things he knows how to do well, he does them quite well as far as a director and like his choice of shots and what have you. This feels like that for De Palma. Like this is a very much it. Yeah. It's like let me go like it's a big blockbuster. I have all the money in the world. I got Tom Cruise at my back. 
let me do this. Let me do. Let me do. De Palma, let me De Palma this up. Mm-hmm. And so it just uses all of the things he puts puts together. It's it's odd to me. Even before you know, before the movie came out, there was a lot of talk over basically a power struggle between Tom Cruise and Brian De Palma. Uh-huh. And whatever came of that, it certainly doesn't come up in the movie. I mean, no. this is this feels and obviously you know, as you know, the first four or five of these movies are very much a very specific filmmaker playing in the sandbox. You know, a lot of Mission Impossible 2 is obviously, you know, the John Wooiest John Woo movie ever to John Woo. That's um, that's why it's it's fun to consider how much Tom God, this face that he's wearing. Uh to, the yeah. the how much Tom Cruise involvement is in there where it's like, well, yeah, he's certainly involved, but like at the same time all of these movies look like what these directors very much know how to do. Like it looks like mm-hmm. their movies, so it's Yeah. I I uh, what was I it? think he gives them a, a core place where he wants to take the character and the team from start to finish, and he and he gives them probably some set pieces that he wants to happen with stunts, and then they are allowed to craft around it. That's I, probably. I, I that makes sense. I like that. I like that. Like De Palma's stuck with this whole thing, where Cruz just basically didn't get along with like Joe Carnahan and David Fincher before three was coming out. Like they could, they just couldn't yeah. find like the. The, the 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 right point between them that made sense, which is so like De Palma seems like, De Palma, I know he can get angry. Like I'm aware of this, so it's like oh well they work they like, they work things out. But I guess De Palma's well, also this was Cruz's first like producing venture, so yeah. he didn't yes. he really didn't have the producer clout that he I'm assuming that he necessarily yeah. would have in part two and three and four. But he's still because you like, can kind of yeah. tell he's leading four and five for sure. But he, well, he's like, also not picking a, a blockbustery filmmaker like mm-hmm. he would the next succession of them i mean well, the, well even jj or, that or JJ, action jj it's his film debut i mean it's it is his film debut so, but if you look at what he was doing on television at the time oh yeah it, between it lost feels and like alias a stepping stone. yeah for sure i get that oh and, and i remember red he, bird that was wonderful that was a great choice and even when this came out in, in, in 96 even back then it felt surprisingly low key, surprisingly mm-hmm. plot driven, surprisingly short. It's not, you know, it's 105 minutes plus credits for a quote unquote stereotypical summer blockbuster. Yeah, this so is even like, back then, this felt like a throwback. Yeah, it's not an action movie; it's a thriller. No. Like that's what this oh, is. Oh yeah, I mean, this is not. This is nothing like the other four. I mean, they they some of them will remember to go back to it. Like the Ghost Protocol definitely kind of has some vibes that go back to this, but. This one kind of stands a little where that second one starts with all the stunts mm-hmm. and the Tom Cruise doing all the crazy stuff, and that would carry on more than I would say this one. Although they, yeah. they would kind of start to figure out by the fourth one, they have figured out what has worked the whole time, what worked best for the first one, the second one, and the third one, and they've mashed them together twice now. And I haven't seen Fallout, but I'd imagine they they sort of understand how to make these perfectly now between um like the um i was gonna say regardless of like how i rank these movies i think four is like the most like the tv show like it's a big it's the biggest possible version of the tv show but it feels the most like it yeah but it and i mean this in this case like a compliment usually but it feels like a three-part tv episode mm-hmm. i mean the yeah. second act which is where all you know the old climbing stuff thing is that's you know almost entirely a self-contained sequence oh, yeah, as much as we like to talk about how great four is the plotting of four is pretty thin it's as thin as any fast and furious movie as far as we got to yeah. do this thing and we get this thing <laughs> like that's, that's it. <laughs> um 
Well, and the, the yeah. fifth one feels like a throwback to like more elegant '60s spy yes. spy movies, as opposed to just Mission Impossible. Yeah, the, well, the fifth one. The fifth one is my favorite, and it's and, yes, and yeah, I think and I think too. it's and I think it's because the story I think is so. In addition to look at all this great stuff we can do on a visual level, I think there's a lot going on in the story that I really appreciate, and it even questions Cruz's. If you want to talk about arcs, like this, really, it questions like his like what his goal is in all of this, if it's just to win or to, or to like, yeah, I mean, or to it, do what's right. It, it, it sort it, of cements the franchise as a lifelong autobiography of its star. Yeah. Um, and what I like about five, I mean, yeah, it's also my favorite as well. Um, is that it really is the one that in my opinion, best blends a, the ensemble teamwork stuff, uh-huh. B the, you know, the post, Berlin Wall, why are we spying anymore type shtick that this film does so well. Uh, you know, think that Golden Eye, you know, uh, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, with a very, very cynical approach to this, you know, spy craft. And, of course, the crazy-ass stunts that everybody shows up for. And I, when I went back and rewatched these, because I, I recently did the, the wonderful 4Ks that Paramount put out, highly recommend them. They actually put good work into them. Uh, like I watch four and I'm like, am I sure this isn't my favorite? I, I like five, and then you go to five and you're like, oh yeah, jeez, wow. Yeah. And I go from high bar to like higher bar. It's it's split. Well, as an appetizer, and the moose bouche for number five. Yeah. yeah. And this is not a spoiler in any way, shape, or form, but I think one of the reasons I did not like six as much as most people, and that's not really an that's not really a criticism, is because I had just watched five, uh-huh. and it was like, oh my god, this is even better than I remember three years ago. <laughs> Well, good thing I have oh. a, a couple weeks separation, but oh, they just killed Emilio. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's just like it's here's, so here's my, here's it's my so grizzly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I didn't move. know Emilio Estevez was in Mission Impossible. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Alan, I know what you're saying. Can he not move? I mean, like it seems like the scenario. Sure. Yeah, he was focused on trying to uh, like hack it to get it to stop and he didn't realize how close he was to the top he's too much yeah, machine but... alan he's too much of a oh. machine to to consider the fact that a human error is getting in his way he's the hacker not the improv artist it, now... so maybe he was farsighted because of the glasses and didn't really understand the real the perception of what was coming after him i get it what's the grisliest death in this series so we have that one that's pretty uh... bad we have Carrie Russell's. In the, no, I was gonna oh, say so. Carrie Car- Russell. Car- Car- oh, Russell's God. brains getting imploded from the inside is pretty horrible, especially because it has a creepy look on her face. Uh, yeah. What's it? Phelps at the end of this movie gets crushed by a helicopter, which is not the, not the best <laughs> way to go. Yeah, but he deserved it. Phil oh, Hoffman. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a crowd yeah. pleaser. Phil Hoffman gets run over by a truck. <laughs> it's all when I watch oh, yeah. it, it's like that's always pretty amusing. That it's like he just flips over and it's like, oh no, <laughs> like that's it. Uh, what are the other um, What are the other notable ones? I'm trying to think. Uh, five is I pretty the, scaled back as I far think as the, the violence in these films is more cruel than graphic and bloody. Yeah. I mean, there's a million times, even in the fifth one, there's you know, innocent civilians are shot almost on the regular, and it's mean. It's, that's Christopher Curry for you. Five um, Five has that awesome motorcycle chase. That is like this one where he like knocks the guy and he like flies off and yeah. his motorcycle gets blown up and it's awesome. <laughs> that's a, that's uh, a uh, cool uh, bit. Yeah, it's kind of funny. John Voight in this movie, like his entire, he looks like if you were making a movie now about taking place in the '90s, how you dress someone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I see what you're saying. <laughs> but it's actually then. It's kind of funny. Oh no! This this film is very minimalist. 
Um, it's very minimalist in a lot of ways. And like The Born Supremacy, which is another very cynical, pessimistic, what are we doing this for thriller, it gets a lot of potency out of very little violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels far more violent than it actually is. I mean, it's pretty I mean... I know what you're saying. There's like there's an aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. There's an aesthetic to it that makes it feel very violent, which is yes. like three has that too. Or three, there is a lot. There's a handful of violence in that movie, but like the film, the look of that movie, um, it because I, I just watched it not too long ago. It's way for a J.J. Abrams movie, who's a filmmaker that you know likes to please the audience, and in his way he does. I mean, it ends with a big happy ending. But like before that, it's a pretty sickly looking movie. Like I was surprised looking back at the cinematography. Yeah. It's very grainy. There's a lot of like. The color, well, it looks the, just like Alias, an Alias episode. I yeah, mean, it's really not far off from that aesthetic the, at all. The color palette's pretty ugly in that movie, especially for all the exotic places they go. There's a lot of like just ugly shot, like purposefully ugly shots in that movie. And it just kind of it's like, oh, this feels a lot gnarlier than I remember watching before. And with the caveat that that might not be a criticism, I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy it less than something like Two, which is just for me such a movie movie. No, I, I hear. Yeah, I, I can. I, I can see. Where, I can see what you're saying. I, I yeah. regardless, of that, I, lo- I still like three more than yeah. two. But as far as yeah. you know, you have a you have a, a, a filmmaker that's been working for thirty years versus JJ Abrams' first movie. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I get the difference there. But, so, so that has a very pronounced style, like John Woo versus. Yes. Hey, I, I'm I'm messing around with this. I like people. Like, yeah. John Boyd just <laughs> shot himself. Catch up. It looks very obvious when you look at it now, too. Like yeah. the, the way the yeah. gun's yeah. positioned, it's like. What's Cruz not paying attention some to? Well, world-renowned. It's, it's hilarious. This movie, guy. when you go back to this movie, it like confused the hell out of audiences. That's one of its legacies. But when you go back and watch it, they overdo the explanation of how this thing like works and happened. Like it's hilarious. Well, the thing that people that didn't understand. The thing that confused everybody is that, and I I love the sequence. Is what visually he's showing you. Hey, John Boyd's the bad guy. While verbally he's saying. The Kittrich was the bad guy. It's um, a yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's a wonderful sequence yeah. when you kind of yeah. see them talking about it and you see Tom Cruise put it all together. It's almost oh. it's reminiscent to the the scene that's going to be coming up soon with him and Kittredge where he's putting together yeah. the other team. Yeah. Um, think... Is there any split screen in this movie? I'm trying to remember. I don't think so. Yes. Right? Is there... um, when they go when they go to, they go to Langley? Uh, the Langley, I think there's a couple moments. Okay, there. we'll get we'll like get a there. montage of them either going in or out. So De Palma that. staple. Yeah, I know. I was trying to remember it. I oh. love that. I love that shot too. The shot, the Tom Cruise reaction to the bomb exploding when he gets there right on the same time. Iconic. Just kind of throws well, his hands up. Yeah, it is iconic. You have the you know the matinee hero who you know watches his friends die horribly and is powerless to do anything. Yeah. Also, Tom Cruise takes explosions well in these movies. I mean. Say what yeah. you will about three, but the iconic shot of that was him getting blown to the side on the car when the drone's flying over. It's like, that's really cool. That's a cool shot. That's a good trailer shot right there. It's just... I... So so what's everyone... Quick roll call. Like, What's everyone's favorite Mission Impossible? Rogue Nation. It's Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. I mean... Everybody? Yeah. Where are you? This one. Is it this one? Fair enough. Like this, this, this and Ghost Protocol are tied for me for second. Yeah, like it's right there. Like it's yeah. not that far. Right. Off. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, w- without counting six, because most people haven't seen it yet, I would feel you know, anyone that's going to pick one, you know, one, four, or five as their favorite isn't going to get a fight from me. Yeah. Um. Because I, like, I, I was eleven year, I was eleven years old in the theater, and I just remember adoring this movie i watched it three times in the theater i think i took each of my friends because i didn't have many 
It's one of my favorite summer summer movies yeah. of the '90s. So yeah, I, I I'm with you right there. And I had to defend it to people. I had to defend it to people. Like, oh, it was good. It was great. And they're like, no, it wasn't. Alan, what you said? Like, because then, like, two weeks later, you get The Rock that comes out Mm -hmm. in the theater. Then you get Eraser, like Scott said earlier. But then, you know, a little over a month later, you get Independence Day. If you were an 11-year-old boy... This was the summer. Oh, ninety six was great oh, yeah. for me. I oh, loved, yeah. oh my god, I saw I saw this. I saw I saw Eraser, Eraser and Hunchback in Notre Dame. They came out the same weekend. Right? Yes, that's they correct. Did. They did because I because I, I, I saw because I saw those. But I haven't now. I haven't seen that in full since nineteen ninety six. But I remember my dad and I kind of walked out of that. Rocks. My dad, well, my dad and I walked out. We didn't like it very much. They were like, "Let's go see Eraser." So we hopped to the theater next door and saw Eraser. <laughs> <laughs> it was like this is amazing. Uh, <laughs> but by the way, right here is a moment that Rogue Nation handshakes. With with oh yeah the, later the, on the because phone. he calls in and you see it from tom cruise's perspective here and then he has a call in in rogue nation at the beginning that you hear the other side of this exact call but mm-hmm. i mean it's at a different time of course but mm-hmm. they intentionally did that i like the little spy craft they do too where he has to like put the thing on the phone and spin it a certain it's... way and everything mm-hmm. which there was can... oh go ahead brandon I was going to say this. This movie also um, it was a spy versus spy weekend as spy hard came out the same weekend right yeah. Yes. Doesn't, yeah. And then let's this not all forget, like a week or two earlier, was Twister. <laughs> That's right. And obviously, it's awesome. everyone's favorite oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Helen Hunt Joy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in a lot of ways, going into the summer, this was expected to be the big movie in the summer. Because, I mean, even, I mean, I expected Dependence to be huge, but nobody knew for sure. Um, it did like 180 but Twister or something, came right? Out, and Twister kind of stole this movie's thunder a little bit. Uh, it made more. Domestically, yeah, domestically and worldwide. And this was one of the first times where you had a early May mega movie sort of stealing the thunder of the preordained Memorial Day or pre-Memorial Day summer champion. Uh-huh. You, know, you know, Iron Man versus Indiana Jones, uh, Gladiator and Mission Impossible 2, ironically enough. Um, well, it used to be like uh, a Avengers softball and, movie building up to something yeah. in late May or in June that was like the yes. real summer movie, and now it's like the biggest movie opens first. Well, arguably, or, yes, you're the Marvel right. movie opens first. Yes. <laughs> At least since 2002, really. But yeah. I think we're talking about legacy. Yeah, the, the, we're not doing a Twister commentary, are we, fellas? Not yet. Talking uh, about Mission Impossible. <laughs> oh, yeah, not yet. <laughs> so it could be on the list easily. That's an easy movie to talk about. But I was, right. what was the last? What was the? Because I know Kingdom of Heaven. That's like one of the last non non comic book movies to open not that first May weekend. I'm trying to think. Is there any others offhand, Scott? Mission, well, 2005. Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible three, right? 2006. Yeah. There was that three year gap between X Men two and Spider Man three. three. Yeah. So it was a Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, Mission Impossible uh, three. Helsing. Van Helsing. That's what it is. Van okay. Helsing, yeah. Kingdom okay, of yeah, Heaven and Mission Impossible three. Yeah. Ever since then, it's been a comic book movie. And all, a Marvel comic, all, a Marvel comic, not not as, I mean, because the Spider Man's, yeah. but yeah, not always yeah, a Marvel yeah, Spider, movie. Yeah. yeah, and Wolverine, and well, it's, yeah, X, um, it's X Men, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Here's Kittredge. I love I I I think the biggest regret or the biggest mistake they've made in this franchise is not have Kittredge come for any of the other ones. I like the revolving oh, door it's of a new, it's I, a new person. I like the revolving door of IMF directors, though. I, I like that aspect. So Ali Baldwin is the first one to do two in a row, correct? 
Assuming right. he, yeah, I mean, yeah, because I saw him. But, in the but he yeah. was he like wasn't the director. Yeah, he he like he was the, he was he was the Ray Fines of Mission Impossible movies unless in Rogue Nation. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I like because I, I just watched three again. I like Lawrence Fishburne a lot in that movie. Like I think he's mm-hmm. he's such a dick to everybody and like, but it's like that's how he would be. Like that's how you're supposed to be in this kind of thing. Like he gives Billy Crudup so much shit throughout that movie. It's great. I mean, you every, he deserves all the shit that he gets oh yeah he does for sure like but he, uh, he, he i'm not talking about the act i'm not talking about the character just billy Crudup. yeah billy Crudup's not a good guy uh but um <laughs> there's there's things about him uh but uh but no like the the way he acts it's like yeah they, they kind of deserve all this shit that lord's fishburne gives them although like and anthony hopkins he's just like having a ball like just palling around with tom cruise mission upon it's like i get to go to spain sure let's do that let's do it. Like, <laughs> i can i can put the wine down for a second and f- film a few lines <laughs> sure would it be a vacation if it didn't? Who's for? Oh, Tom Wilkinson shows up and he's like, "All right, yeah." Wow. He gets bumped off. That's, he's he's good nice enough. Surprise. He's he's good enough in those three minutes where you're like, "Yeah, that's why you cast Tom Wilkinson. He's that good. He can make that work." <laughs> Look at these they angles. Didn't have to, work. They didn't have to beg like a dog. Here's, the, here's <laughs> for his life. He gets killed by the good guys in that movie. Yeah, he gets. He does. Yeah, yeah. Watch this. This sequence is so cool. We're talking oh, completely sorry, over. I've been this, watching this. This is yeah. This uh, this uh, this uh, this whole aquarium sequence where the angles keep getting more and more dutched. They keep getting closer yeah. to each other's faces. It's such a great mounting of tension, and you like, and the way it's just like it's right well, underneath the their faces. Crews survey the room. Uh huh. And and wonder if like they're you know they're actors or agents around. It it speaks a lot without hitting you on the head or like being on the nose with the dialogue it's fantastic it, it plays up the paranoia aspect a lot like we talk about like rogue mm-hmm. nation has a lot in common with like 67 like this has a lot of like 70s spy thriller going on it a lot of parallax view oh yeah lot, well, that's you know, why you get of, brian de palma I exactly mean, yeah a lot of three days in the condor in here like it just it really works <laughs> and, and cruise's fate like say what you will about yeah. the, the character the ethan hunt character but the acting cruise is doing in this movie like it works like it, it shows a man that's getting like slowly unraveled by this whole thing and shaken Wait, was this the same year as Jerry Maguire for him? Oh, yes, just... yeah, that Jerry yeah, Maguire's December. <laughs> yeah, look he had a good this. year. Yeah, he he did. A, this is a great year. Like he did this Hard movie. He, let's, let's... he did this movie. He did all the press for this movie. Then he's like, I still got to do Jerry Maguire and workshop it and everything. Like, there's so much on the the recent Blu-ray that came out for Jerry Maguire. It has a whole bunch of like. Um, like screener test and audition footage of like them working around with Cuba Gooding and early in the stage they had Robin Williams around to the script. There's like a lot of a lot of effort being put into making that little movie comparatively to this movie. And they that both little three hour romantic comedy movie, it's like two and a half hour, but like and yeah, then it but it ends up making like what like two what's what's got like two fifty million like worldwide or something? yeah for Jerry Maguire. Well, this this one did 181 domestic and Jerry Maguire did like one fifty six. Now keep in mind this was a an R-rated drama. Yeah. You know, really yes, over Christmas, huge legs, Oscars, et cetera, et cetera. But still, it was a drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess it's a, a romantic drama. It's a drama, still. yeah. Look at this. Can is... we talk for a moment really quickly about how that waiter who got hit with the gum is probably never gonna walk again? <laughs> Depend, he, did he get um sliced up bad enough uh, by the glass shards too? Like is he alive? I mean, He's not gonna have a good time, guys. I think it's you know it's not it's a it's a small charge. <laughs> I like how intensely he was running away from that water. And that's the, the first. Oh, that that's was, our first oh, yeah. of a real yeah. cruise run in this movie. Right? Yeah, it was a Is good the first. Oh yeah, it was no no because he was running for that yeah, that, that car that car thing, yeah. that car explosion. 
Um, like, yeah, these shots are something that McQuarrie kind of brings back. Oh, yeah, for sure. McQuarrie's a, good, Nation, so that, yeah. McQuarrie's a good... I mean, you know I, I'm a big fan of Way of the Gun. Like, I'm a big McQuarrie fan in general. So oh, yeah. Like, I, but he's a very studied director, for sure, as far as what he knows he can accomplish. God, there's so many cool things here. He's <laughs> taking oh, the light yeah. bulb down. He's just... Well, there's a lot of very low-tech low-key... Excuse me. <laughs> glass shards? Oh, I there's love a lot of low-tech low-key spycraft. Yeah. It's stuff like this I do miss in the other Mission Impossible movies. Like as, cap- yeah. as capable as Ethan is, it is cool to see him just like being a, m- a man on the run that's like using his know-how in these scenarios that doesn't involve him scaling a building or jumping off right. of something very high or whatnot. Now that's cool you too, get, of course. But like you want to get into the Kevin McAllister of Ethan Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing so, I like I mean... about this film is that he doesn't feel comfortable, look comfortable with a gun. I mean, it's not something that you know is necessarily his natural to him as well, that's a, a, yeah that's not his position on the team yeah he's still a hot yeah. shot he's still he's, he's still a hot shot new guy who's like yeah he does yeah. other things on the team to kind of aid everybody he's he's auditioning for batman yeah look how weird i am again look how good i am and i have noticed that like in um ghost protocol he doesn't use a gun at all i think right no never never not once in uh-huh. ghost protocol two obviously all, all the time, all the time. All the time. <laughs> uh and three three all the time yeah yeah I mean, he, he, yeah. he, he throws a gun, he, he gets a giant gun so he can shoot a drone down and all this stuff. Yeah. And then five, yeah, they're running and gunning throughout that movie. But... Um, <laughs> Not, more towards the finale, more, more in the finale. It's really the finale yeah, where they're a using little bit the in the end. It's the most gunplay there is, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, you know, off the top of my head, I don't think he kills anybody in part four. Um, uh, hmm. No, well, yeah, there's he, not he, that many bad guys. Yeah, he kicks there's a lot of like, people, but yeah, you know, and like Nyquist, yeah. Nyquist kills himself in that movie, so yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. There's only like three he or four. He killed bad that guys. poor BMW. Yes. he killed sad. that car, and the insurance didn't cover it. Jeremy well, Renner threw someone Russia? out of a window. No, Paul, Paula Patton kicks her. Oh, out Paula window. Patton did. Yeah, she yeah. shot again. Yeah. yeah. No, Renner, Renner's innocent except for thi- Renner only thinks he accidentally killed Cruz's wife. That, that's what goes that's on. Right. In that movie. That's right. <laughs> that's that's Renner's main crime in that movie. And she dies and comes back like John Boyd. <laughs> yeah. The, the... Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, they're using the internet. Old school internet. This, this is very advanced. Well, I like He's going to play Duke Nukem with internet his friends. With, with, uh, <laughs> he said the internet with emphasis as if it was, you know, this, you know the internet. Yeah. Hmm, here's a clue. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I never thought of it. So, uh, talking about, I was going to get back to this, the, um, this movie versus the TV show, um, you could look at this as like the last Jedi of Mission Impossible as far as it burns everything about the show down to make room for like this new version of it. This, this like, they have a fan base of uh, normal adults and (laughs) said, well, I didn't like it. Well, there were, something with my life. There were a lot of people that were pissed, but again, this was, you know, this they didn't have Twitter and Facebook to dominate the conversation. Yeah, but like Peter Graves specifically did not want to do this because yeah. of the the turn that John Phelps makes. Or, yeah. uh, and honestly, Graves. I don't blame them. You know, if I were more passionate about this film, Jim Phelps. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, I'm an adult, but you know, I, I get that. No, I can see that as far as hey, I'm seeing an adaptation of my show, and the first thing we do is turn, or not the first thing, but like the thing that we reveal yeah. is the, and it's not. I think what what the problem is is it's not really justified all that well beyond oh allegiance has changed. Apparently, he's Reagan. Allegiance has changed, and I don't know. Like it's just like it's not really. There's not much done with Jim Phelps beyond the fact he's like, like he doesn't have much of a motive for doing all of this. Yeah. If, Gra- if Graves comes back and does this movie, are they as mad? 
I doubt it, right? Or Just they cause... matter because it's it is that you know here they could be like, well, hashtag not my felt. Well, I think what were, ha- they, were they gonna cast Graves as Phelps again? Yeah, that, yeah, that was the end. Oh. Yeah, they, they, I thought they were just cameos. I didn't know that. You know, they they courted him. They wanted him to because they have they have the character of Jim Phelps and Peter Graves as well. That yeah. makes sense. You already have Tom Cruise, like so it. it's not like it's not like oh now that we got Voight yeah. in here, it's guaranteed to be a blockbuster. It's like you got Cruise, so it's like everything else you can cast whoever you want to. And so you can get Ving Rhames and John Reno, and you know make one of them a millionaire. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 but yeah, I'd be curious. I mean, I'd imagine that there'd be more. Assuming that there's this large segment that really despises the series because of the moves they made, I'd like to think that there's maybe more like less controversy because they at least got Peter Graves to play this character. Like that, that sounds good yeah. to me. And Graves says, "Hey, I'm on board with." It, it shows that Graves is like, "Hey, I'm on board with this," but he was publicly against it. And maybe it makes me wonder if maybe there is more work from David Kep and Robert Town to kind of. Involve his character, make his character, make that just justify his character's turn more, as opposed to just kind of throwing it away because you just have a a stand-in essentially for Jim Phelps that happens to well, be Jim Voight. I think, for what it's worth, I think a lot of the outcry over the Last Jedi was because it was Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker that did not perhaps become the character that a lot of fans wanted him to be. I agree, and I think, but I think the separation there is that one. Yeah, it's a, it's an entirely different fan base as far as age range goes, or what? Actually, I don't yeah. know because Star Wars is seventy seven. So who know, what do I know about that? But at the same time, yeah, the advance of technology and whatnot, Twitter and what have you. I think there's a there's a way to but, skew that conversation and make that seem much louder than anything that's going on in possible. If you look at let's look at another passion like Star Trek with Star Trek Into Darkness with what they did to the cast and the the con storyline and that they weren't happy about that, but. I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch didn't receive death threats. I think that because Still, they, the know, way they handled they, that was more eye-rolling than dis- disgracefulness, <laughs> I guess. is the, like, It was less like, I know what you're doing. I'm not doing that. No, we know what you're doing. It's coming. No a bad guy and made him a bad guy again. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't quote-unquote, violate what the character stands yeah. for. They were well, be, I guess be, Star beyond, Trek had make, Star Trek 5 anyway. So, be, I mean, beyond making him very white. <laughs> Now, who is this that plays um, Claire? Emmanuel Bert. This is our only movie we know her from. <laughs> I, every time I revisit this movie, I'm like, is she in anything else? Like, I'm sure she is. I'm sure she has a, a big career in France, if I had to guess. But I hope so. She's good in this. Obviously, it's a thin role, but... Oh. Probably my least favorite of the, the revolving door of female leads in the series. Well, by default, Overall. yes. Yeah. Oh, um, well, because there's not much. Well, for what she's to hold back so much because she's a double. Essentially, she's hiding yeah. something from him the whole time, so it doesn't give her much room to be a character. And yes, I mean, the, what the next one has is Tandy Newton. Then you have yeah, Michelle Tandy Monahan. Newton is one of the best things about the next one. Michelle Monaghan is his wife, so I mean, by default, you get a lot of character there. Well, Carrie Russell's cool in her little short time. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I well, like she's... Maggie Q's character. I was kind of disappointed she didn't come back for four. And then Paula, Pat- like the, Paula Patton's in four, and they have like you know the whole team aspect, so all of them are involved a lot. And... Well, and she was a breakout in four, but then something happened. She couldn't come back for five. Then Maggie Q couldn't come back for five. And <laughs> she was like, I guess if, Fortune if, smiles if, on if, them because they have Rebecca Ferguson, who's outstanding. If Bird's out, yeah. I'm out. That's what Paula Patton said. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because, I mean, yeah, Maggie Q is kind of a breakout there because she had that, and then she had uh, the the fourth Die Hard movie, 
and then she couldn't come uh, she couldn't come back for the fourth one uh, so they get Paula Patton who was I mean she was well, she was the lead she of her own show she was, show she was the lead one. on then, uh, Nikita she right couldn't so she come had back. her own spy show like to do right yeah well and, was she just busy with Nikita I, I, I would guess right or something I yeah I, I don't know but they, they, there was an opportunity for her to come back for Rogue Nation and then she couldn't do it and then it was Rebecca Ferguson. It's like if you mother effers don't bring her back for a sixth one, <laughs> we riot. I think with, with 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 some of these, it has to be a matter of, especially when you have TV shows. Like as much as it's like, hey, it's cool to see people in these movies again. They are working actors. Where it's like, I could take the twenty-two episode paycheck versus one Tom Cruise movie, and it's like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not getting a percentage of this movie like Cruise is. So I'll probably take the you know the money I make for this TV show. <laughs> like. Right. They get Simon Pegg back every time. He's busy. Yeah, but Simon... <laughs> they're not... I think Simon Pegg makes it work, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he doesn't he do doesn't, he's TV awesome. either, I mean... does he? What? He doesn't do a ton of TV, does he? No, he had space back yeah. in the day, and ever since then, yeah. he and Edgar Wright made the yeah. movies, and then he broke out. Because... And he also I mean, he's, he's in... the bad robot, you know... Yeah, he, right. he's yeah he True. he writes the scene like he wrote the last Star Trek. Like, he does a lot yeah. of stuff. Like, that's the thing, too. A lot of POV in this movie. I don't forget that. I just like pointing it out that there's a lot of POV stuff here. That's it is neat. Like it adds a layer of tension. I love the sequence. This is like uh, Mission Impossible, the CD-ROM game, right here. Yeah. <laughs> there's a couple shots like that. Yeah, interactive CD-ROM. It was funny because when you literally when you started talking about how Ethan Hunt was a blank slate, or, you know, a, a stand-in, yeah. was when we got to the scene with. You know, you as the viewer staring at Kristen Scott Thomas yeah. as if it was a video game. <laughs> and again, this is such a low key. This is all so low key for what's supposed to be this giant, huge, mega summer blockbuster. Yeah, the biggest thing we saw was Tom Cruise reenacting the Aquaman poster. I mean, so it's like, yeah, that's right. it so far. I mean, the MacGuffin's strong. That's what helps drive the movie. Yeah. Well, it's the sum of its parts. Everything's low key, but bringing it all together makes it this big espionage thriller that kind of mm-hmm. it we, made me feel when i watched it it made me feel smarter when i was 11 it also moves. Yeah, i just love it i mean we're 40 minutes into this movie it moves like it doesn't feel like a, yeah. it's not a slow-paced film even though it's you know not reliant on action sequences when as an adult i can appreciate the the uh more now the uh, prettier environments that they have in with these you know cool like foreign art you know european architectures yeah, and for sure. exteriors yeah, they, that... they shoot the shit out of Prague. that's for sure they make it look yeah, they good do. And now here's Which like is... here's Vanessa Redgrave having like a ball in this movie as Max, right? Yeah, <laughs> and like flirting with Ethan. I mean, come on, who wouldn't? <laughs> I do like pre Invisalign Tom Cruise too. Oh yeah, well, his teeth, his teeth are still. Uh... <laughs> they're not perfect. I mean, they're Tom Cruise perfect. They're Tom Cruise perfect. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because they, you know, you can change the teeth, you can't change the face. Like that smile still. Right. Like, he's still the Grinch. You know, he still lights that smile up when he needs to. Mm-hmm. Man, what if they cast Tom Cruise as the Grinch instead of Jim Carrey? Oh, it's, uh... <laughs> tell me you wouldn't see. Tell me that. I mean, the movie I was already like it. the biggest of the year or whatnot. But like, tell me, tell me, it wouldn't be even bigger if Tom Cruise played the I Grinch? Am... You know, s- someone once pitched to me that Tom Cruise it'll never happen, but Tom Cruise would make a great Joker, and I was like, oh, and they're like, tell me, sure. tell me I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong, and I was like, Dude, you're, you know, he would, especially like right here, everything. <laughs> yeah. Um. He's he's more well, I, he's more versatile than some people give him credit. I mean, I, I still think he plays type very well, but I mean, he he's been Lestat. Like he can do things like Magnolia. No, he had Rice Thunder. He's, he's, he's apologizing. Yeah. 
What's that? Said Anne Rice took out a full page ad apologizing yeah. when she yeah. saw the movie. And God, what a great movie that is. I mean, talk about they don't make them like this anymore. Jeez. It's a it's a great atmosphere. That's for sure. I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of an interview with the vampire. That's fair. It's mainly because it of Brad. Is. It's not mainly because of Brad Pitt. Honestly, he's just so mopey. It just it drags me. Yeah, down. yeah. I like what happens around him. Yeah, exactly. He's like a pre-hot topic teenager. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but he's you know he's the lead of the movie, so it's very <laughs> it's very irritating. <laughs> yeah. You take him out, the movie's uh, only like an hour and a half, and I love it. <laughs> watching <laughs> watching *Eve of Vampire* as like a ten year old, very naive, and then later on go, going and revisiting it as a twenty eight year old man, you're like, oh, I didn't pick up on a lot of this stuff. <laughs> It's 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 an interesting flick to watch nowadays with like I guess adult mature glasses. You're like, oh, I didn't pick up half of these themes. Yeah, I watched it. Everyone's not- gay. Movie's gay. I watched it. I watched it not too long ago, and I'm like, yeah, I still don't, I, I'm still not the biggest fan of this movie, but it looks good. Like it's a good, it's a well made. It's so movie. good. Yeah, it's so good. Who, who did uh, Neil Jordan? Is it Neil Jordan? No. Yeah. yeah. Is Neil, Jordan. Yeah, it's Neil Jordan. Jordan? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's another example Neil. like this of taking. You know, someone who would, you know is known for somewhat more, I don't want to say arty, because Palma was a mainstream director, but, you know, somewhat arty pictures and just let him go crazy with a blockbuster budget. Well, that's Cruise in this 90s, or even like, yeah. 80, even like, what, like, yeah, like top like top, top Gun onwards, it's like, I'm going to get with directors that are great, that I can really yeah. want to experience, so, you know, get with, you know. Get, get with uh, Martin Scorsese, get with De Palma, get with Kubrick, get, get with Neil Jordan, get with Cameron, Cameron Crowe. Crow. The closest we have to that is Adam Driver. Sydney Pollack. Except, you know, yeah. Oh, well, movie stardom doesn't work like that anymore. Well, so, uh, so he makes great movies that nobody sees. I would, honestly, I would say uh, Topher Grace is like that. Actually, I mean, it's more smaller scale, but he, he's really yeah. he's very much picking picking very much small scale, but <laughs> comparatively, but like <laughs> certainly he's he's because I've heard him talk about this where it's like he could easily be like bland leading man guy in various things or sidekick character, but it seems like he's instead opted for. A lot more interest, like you know, I just saw Black Klansman. He's like he, he chose a Spike. He wanted yeah. to be a Spike Lee movie, or he wanted to be in Steven Soderbergh's movies. Even if it's a bit part, it's like I'd rather choose that than keep being in a that '70s show or a whatever. Like Spider Man Three, yeah. it's like the anomaly in his career. Maybe it was his Batman. But, yeah, no, I, yeah. He could afford not to do this anymore. No, I would definitely say it's probably the Sam Raimi thing. That's like, well, I get to be a Sam Raimi. Like, but yeah, after that, it's like I don't need to do big budget stuff comparatively. Yeah, I, I see. I think that's a little different than what Tom Cruise did. Oh, Tom I agree. Cruise knew sure. that he needs he can make this movie get made. Yeah, yes. Tom Cruise can pick. Yeah, Topher, yeah, it's Topher, Topher Grace, Grace the lead like, in all these movies. No, yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I, it's yeah, it's just, I, you met, or Scott mentioned Adam Driver. So I'm like, I think yeah, there's a yeah. yes for these days. It's a little more. It's a little different, yes. obviously. But yeah, for for Tom Cruise, for sure, I mean, it's a mix of I'm a leading man. I want to work with directors that are really interesting to me, that are acclaimed for various reasons, and he's he did that through all of the nights. Yeah. And Andy Pollock is another one, like in another one, all of the nineties. Yeah. Even, yeah, even now, obviously to DiCaprio, but you know that's that's you know yeah, DiCaprio, yeah. still do it. Maybe oh, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt gets to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because he also produced producing too, mm-hmm. and it, Denzel. I mean, Denzel chooses whatever he wants to do. Denzel I mean, makes Denzel movies. Yeah, that's, that's what I've that's, noticed that's with him. Thing, I mean, yes. look at his supporting cast in his movies. There's never, they're usually second tier players. Well, you got Ryan There'll Reynolds and, and more and attractive no, black man in the Denzel movie than unless Denzel. it's Russell Crowe. He'll, he'll bring him on. For... No, no one is <laughs> no one is safe. No one is house with Ryan Reynolds. I mean. Mm. 
um, oh, really fun fact, really quick, since we were talking about Interview the Vampire, about me. That was the, the score to Interview the Vampire was the second CD I ever purchased. Okay. Just a fun little note. <laughs> I really liked that Guns N' Roses cover. And I did not realize what I was purchasing. So, you know, I was like, oh, it's a full-on score. This is cool. <laughs> That's it's it. A, That's it's a great score. It There's is. no Tom Cruise singing the Monster Mash on this? Mm, that's on the Inspired by soundtrack. <laughs> Honestly, if you had Tom Cruise doing like old like New Orleans classic songs, I'd be into that. Gotcha. It says his piano album. Let's that plays the blues. <laughs> or just him dancing. A, so you could be I mean, obviously, he's playing a role, but he's such a cocky bastard here. Oh, oh for yeah. sure, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, he's got a night. He got a night's rest, so he's able to get back into acting mode. Yeah. I mean, I know we joke about how he doesn't age, but he's such a young soul in this picture. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, those Thetans, there's something to them, man. <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of goes with the mood. I mean, in this one, he's like the young soul. He's, you know, he's not as sure of himself. The next one, he's a bit overconfident with himself, and that's kind of how the movie is a bit. But I mean, what well, that movie yeah. ended up being what the highest grossing film of yeah. 2000. So it's necessarily right, there. Right, right ahead of the Grinch. <laughs> right. What a weak year. Yeah. Which, <laughs> just like box office wise, MI2 is your number one. Uh, well, it was it was sort of Please. well, it was sort of a in between year between Star Wars, which is basically heralding the new era of the tentpole, and then 2001, which just sort of you know the game over. You had, you know, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Shrek, uh, The Mummy Returns, you know, Planet of the Apes making $68 million opening weekend, for God's sakes. And that's that's when the game changed. And I think 2000, and specifically Mission Impossible 2, was sort of the last time that a grounded, so to speak, earthbound action spectacular was expected to be one of the biggest movies of the year. Oh, the Grinch was the biggest film domestically. <laughs> yes, yes, and, eventually outgrows it. And then, and then Castaway, then Castaway. Alan, you you got to re- when you have Limp Biscuit do your song. That's you're going to be the highest. <laughs> no, 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 they have Limp Biscuit and Metallica. Two, and Metallica. Two thousands kind of two thousands kind of fascinating guys. You have like I'll go to fifth from fifteen. Traffic was the fifteenth biggest movie of the year. Charlie's Angels, that makes sense. Aaron Brockovich was the thirteenth yep. biggest movie. Crouching Tiger, a foreign film, was the big one of the biggest films that, of the year. Yeah. Disney's Dinos- one hundred twenty nine million dollars. Disney's Bad Dinosaur, that's number eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Crouching Tiger. See, I just called that Dino Boar, but that's too. What What Lies Beneath? The second Robert Zemeckis film is also there. Scary Movie was that big. Well, Castaways. What number two or three that yeah, year? Castaways yeah, Castaways two, Perfect Storm six. What women yeah. want is five, one hundred and eighty-two million dollars. Vehicles that yeah. are on planet Jupiter. Yeah, the only the, the weird one now, which would be completely reversed today, is X Men because it's like the yeah. superhero movie. That's <laughs> and it's the first X Men, like the the lowest gross, almost the lowest grossing one. Is it the wow. lowest grossing or is first class lowest grossing? Nope, Apocalypse. Well, and Apocalypse is lower. Apocalypse made oh. less than X Men. Yeah, domestically. I mean, that makes me happy because that movie sucks, but still, that's yeah, impressive. surprising. Yeah. <laughs> I was sh- I was following that all summer. I was shocked. Apocalypse sucks so bad, it's not even the worst X-Men movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, offhand, uh, Wolverine, The Wolverine, which I like, yeah, is yeah. the lowest domestic, then First Class, then Apocalypse, then X-Men, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, let's get back to Mission Impossible. Ving Rhames is on screen now, along yes. with Jean Jean Renault. Ving Rhames coming off of what Pulp Fiction and Yes, this was his Pulp Fiction reward. Yeah, he's here oh, now. And now it's you get to see my dividend. face right from the start. Looking nice with his <laughs> white suit, white white jacket, red turtleneck, nineties. Both both earrings, both gold earrings. He could pull it off today. And John Renault was... John Renault just like woke up. Like <laughs> that's his dress yeah. style right here. <laughs> John Renault just said yes to guy. Godzilla, that's what he's doing right now. He's like, oh, yeah. John Renault has... Why, like, why not get five million like Matthew Broderick? Yeah. He has extra <laughs> Widow's Peak in this movie, too. Like, that, that, the Widow's Peak is, like, extra long to emphasize his deception. I'll tell he's you what, like, John Renault's, like, he's pretty, like, lovable in this movie in, in a sort of unexpected comedic sense that it kind of is a gut punch when you find out he's one of the bad guys. Yeah. No, that, that Widow's Peak gives it away. Uh, <laughs> he's he's we, the French Eddie Munster. When we get to like the Langley stuff, because he like does try to draw a knife on a guy, but the, when he's in the yeah. vent, even when he's in the vent, I always feel like there's just something about him that just kind of makes me think like there's something not right here. It's kind of my reaction. Yeah, Aaron, he's French. Well, yeah, I mean, as we as we know, <laughs> I mean, oh, never mind. <laughs> no, it's funny, you know. 22 years later, wait, what is 20, 20, yeah, 22 years later, it's fun watching Hunt explain to Luther this horribly impossible, ridiculous scheme for the first time ever. <laughs> you know, now they've been doing this for 22 years, they're friends, he's kind of used to this garbage, but this is the first. I like... it's, it's literally the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I, you always I, remember your first, Scott. I like how, uh, I like how, um... <laughs> how um, IMFs really up their analyst game because at this one you have this like this nerd right here and then in Rogue Nation you have, you have Jeremy Renner. It's like they really, really changed it up who they're recruiting for these things. Well they paid them more because obviously look at the difference between that suit and Jeremy Renner's suit. Yeah. <laughs> Ghost Protocol. It's way different. I mean oh. it's probably not even tailored. He probably got it off the rack. Well I have to assume there was a pretty decent overhaul after one of their agents randomly went rogue and crashed a plane for shits and giggles. Yeah, but it still happened. I mean Billy Crudup yeah. does like basically the season. You know, yeah, yeah. he's, he's just he's just that as happens bad. every movie, doesn't it? Yeah, every movie there's like well, the first I, three. Yeah. The first three, yeah. Well, Aaron, you know, you're talking about how low key this movie is. The centerpiece of it is this just suspense sequence. Mm -hmm. It's no action. Him hanging I mean the action is Jean Renault like hanging on to Tom Cruise, but it's not some big stunt or anything. It's just well, a well put together the, su suspense sequence through editing and the entertainment comes from the absence of action. Right. Until that you're, you're literally rooting against action in a good way. Mm -hmm. Just to point this out, you mentioned uh, Spy Hard opened the same weekend. A few years later, you get wrongfully accused of Leslie Nielsen, which spoofs this scene of Mission Impossible. Right. While doing a fugitive pair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't that seen twenty five in a couple weeks. I haven't seen those movies either, Spy Hard or Wrongfully Accused, since you know they happened. But I'd be curious. I'd be curious how well they hold up as far as what works. Aaron, I remember one sequence in, you in first. Uh, Wrongfully Accused. La I laughed my ass off at one sequence. I, remember, it, I, didn't, I it was a. I remember Spy Hard being the better of the two as far as those go. I mean, those because are like, has, a, I mean, those Weird are like a piece of gum. You chew them up, you spit them yeah, out. I know, but Weird Al does the <laughs> Weird Al does the theme song in Spy Hard, which killed me. Yeah, that's not that like, and then his head explodes. It's just like it's uh, there's little it's, there's inspired. I mean, it's the Zucker guys, right? So it's like there's inspired gags in there that kind of that work further that aren't reliant on like you know 
absolutely dumb but just like oh that's kind of funny <laughs> that's that's clever that's a silly thing can we talk about the suspender game that Bing Rames is pulling off right now oh for sure there's, well, a, lot of, there's a lot of choice suspenders in, the, in this movie mm-hmm. you got the solid red shows the power he's probably just like a firefighter good stuff i mean I, I like ving rames more since ghost protocol where he started like i'm gonna just wear smaller and smaller bowler hats in every movie but like you know yeah his his fashion game's pretty on par on, have a yamaka by point. part seven <laughs> when he converts yeah um like in two he's wearing what like he's uh wearing versace <laughs> he's got or armani armani jackets in mm. that one three is a little bit more tactical he's involved Although he's still, you know, he's still wearing his nice leather jackets. Nice that they have an actual, like, looks like a badge shot of Tom Cruise rather than just his headshot. Oh, Tom Cruise wouldn't let that go. Some movies would do. Tom Cruise knows he's doing. Yep. He really does. I mean, when when you, like, watch the bonus features, you read about these movies, like, he's... He's not a dummy. He's not just some, oh, it's impossible. But, I mean, he's, like, really involved. Because he's excited about everything, he wants yeah. to. He's a he, was, he was a he was a fan yeah. of of the TV series. He's a perfectionist too. Well. Like he's like he puts little nods. Like the the opening to Rogue Nation is the first scene of the original series. When oh, not the opening, but the uh, part where he goes to the record store. Yeah, the That's record the store, yeah. opening scene from the original episode. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> um. I very important commentaries. Also, I'm looking a lot of the sin fellas. And let's let's recall that Tom Cruise did strap himself to a plane and get lifted off of the beginning of that movie. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's the kind of thing where when you say that, it's like, oh yeah, that is a thing that he did. He put he put himself on the side of a giant airplane and went up like 500 feet in the air before stopping. And said, let's do this again. Yeah, let's do let's do this like six more times, guys. <laughs> and then this That's latest movie, apparently, like, he does like a, he like did a halo jump like 50 times, like because yeah, got to get that shot. Didn't he break his leg on that? Isn't that the reason they were shut down for a while? They broke. Uh, he, no, he broke his leg on jumping from a roof. He broke his ankle, and then and then the ankle was broken in, through the rest of the entire shoot. Like it doesn't heal yes. right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It only shut down because of script thing or pay things, right? Pay a salary. Like, that was the reason it shut down. That was before. Oh, no, that was before they shot. Was that before they, production? They, they yeah. Oh, okay. Delayed. All right. Oh. And you that, know, speaking of the mm-hmm. the, the stunts, um, one of the best things coming from the series is the. Uh, did we talk about in that coverage of the Ben Stiller? MTV Movie Awards. Oh, yeah. 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 Mission, from sure. 2. Yeah. Mission Improbable. Which everyone which they, knows. Everybody has a reference to it. They're like, oh, yeah, I know about that. Which they quit transferring over. To, I mean, you can watch it on YouTube, I'm sure. But, like, yeah, it's, it's not, not on the Blu-ray. It's not on the, not on the 4K. Like, it was like an Easter egg on the DVD, I think. No, it, it was on the DVD regularly. You can just... It's just oh, called, regular, it's, okay. it's called Mission Improbable. It's easy. You can just get right yeah. there. But you can't... Yeah, it's not on that. But that that's hilarious. It is. That's it's really funny. funny. Oh, my gosh. And it led to Tropic Thunder, presumably. <laughs> like it's like, hey, I'm friends. I'm friends with Ben. I can do that movie. <laughs> That's right. That was the beginning of the cruise comeback kind of thing, where it's like, Eamed oh, everyone he's away. Not the jumping on the couch anymore. He's the funny well, guy from. Well, I think it's one of the differences in the at least four and five is that the, the Ethan Hunt character stopped being, you know, Superman and started being, you know, Jackie Chan. Yeah. Um. And I think once Cruz, through that character, stopped trying to prove that he was still the greatest American hero and and allowed the character to find humor in failing to be the greatest American hero, you know, that's when then to a certain extent, to the extent that, to the extent that Mr. Possible Goes Protocol 
kind of brought him back PR wise after a, you know the Katie Holmes post Katie Holmes slump. It was that new self depreciation that was very different than what you see in something like Mr. Possible Three or The Last Samurai or you know something of that nature. Well, it was crazy. The uh, following three, remember there was a. Uh... There was word that they were going to dump Cruz, and which is funny because he produces these things. Yeah. But uh, well, that was like the Brad, issue. Brad Pitt was going to take over the series, or that <laughs> Jeremy, the Renner. Tor- Jeremy Renner, the torch. So I watched four with a intrigue of like, are they going to like try to pass this torch, or like what? What's is this going to be his last hurrah? And it was kind of a surprise <laughs> for me how it turned out. Like I, there were parts in the first one, and and it probably didn't help that Scott saw it before I did, and. You know, texting me to tell me he's like it's very much like the, you know, it's very it reminds me of the first one a lot. So I was watching some of these like sneak Ethan sneaking off scenes, thinking I'm like, oh, oh. they're gonna Jim Phelps him, and <laughs> no. Well, I made the movie more suspenseful for you. You did, you did, you did. Um, no, I I think it was confirmed before the movie came out that they weren't doing a Katie of the Guard type thing. Mm-hmm. As far as the Paramount situation. I mean, it was reported in the press that, oh, you know, Paramount fired Tom Cruise. Basically what happened is Summer Redstone felt that the the Katie Holmes, the couch jumping, the Scientology videos did damage to his PR and was one of the reasons why Mission Impossible 3 didn't make as much as the first two. And although the movie grossed less than the first two, it cost a lot more. And because of profit participation deals, Cruz still came home with a, you know, got away with a ton of money from that film. So basically what happened is they decided not to renew, mutually renew the production deal that he had on the Paramount lot. And like what, Paula Wagner split off of him too? So it's just like the Tom Cruise production now? Yeah. But, you know, as you know, a few years later, he's back doing Mr. Possible 4, Jack Reacher, etc., etc. A few years later, it was a good distance, wasn't there? Uh... Oh, yeah, four and a half years. Four and a half years when it's usually three. I'm sorry, five and a half years. Yeah, yeah, wow. it's usually. I mean, Mission Impossible has always had well, cause, like, distance. But... Yeah, they've had long gaps. Yeah, there was uh, that big, um, what was it? The um, Like, Lions for Lambs was like his attempt to like go outside the box, right? And be like, yes. I can do this. So I can do this thing here and I can I can be in a supporting role, but I'll be like a big producer. Oh, was he, he's a producer yeah. on Lions for Lambs, isn't he? Or like, uh, I believe so. Or like he at least put like. He put effort into because there's some company that did, oh, I'm trying to remember it all right now. But regardless, then yeah, like Tropic Thunder is like that's a fun thing he did. Valkyrie, it's kind of a non-starter, right? It's like yeah, he's good in it. He made money, made but money, but like it's, it's yeah, it's and, a good movie. And then like Night and Day was like no, nobody saw it, right? It was like it's well it, it's, again because that because that worldwide. What I like what I like about that is like it's doing a lot of what Ghost Protocol's doing. It's just it's not getting the there's no IP right. There's no like draw to um, it beyond it's Cameron and Cruz. Like yeah, like, yeah. It's also that was another movie that to me was him. And again, I like the film. I do too. But it felt like he was trying to prove that look look at me I'm still an awesome movie star. And I think I think frankly it hurts the movie because there's a spot around two thirds of the way where it's very plausible that Tom Cruise might be the bad guy. And in the back of my head, thinking, okay, we know that's not the case because this is him trying to reclaim his matinee status. Um, but then, yeah, it, it's the next, I think the next movie he did after that was Ghost Protocol. Yeah, it's Ghost Protocol after that, which very much oh. highlights right at the beginning when the credits start coming on, a Tom Cruise production. Like, it's in big yes. letters. 
And it's, it's, the entire film is very cheeky. But, um, but that's what I'm saying about Night and Day. Night and Day is also pretty yeah. cheeky, I mean, as far as what it's doing. And, like, he even wisely keeps himself... Not the because Cameron Diaz is the lead of that movie. He's just yes. he's just like the this is this goofy spy guy that's really good at what he does because it's like it plays off of that persona. It's just it's not as well, it's not as good of a movie as Ghost Protocol. <laughs> I think at its best, it's basically a Bond film from the point of view of the Bond girl. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, I I, I do like the film. Um. But. Anyway, back to Mission Impossible and one of the great act- suspense sequences of the 90s. I'm watching this whole thing, yeah, it's just, it's so, <laughs> the... Uh, for those that just joined us, Tom Cruise is dangling on, about 10 feet above the floor of the Langley Vault, wearing ballet shoes, good for him. I, and yoga pants. Brandon, you talk a lot about how, like, the visuals is very much communicated to you through this, in this film, and how how what good of a job it does, mm-hmm. and just kind of sticking with it. And yeah, that is what's going on, because, like, trying to logically assess what's happening, it's like... All right, I guess they can't make sounds and that, like, but yeah, expressed visually, I get this now, because like they explain like the the sound bar thing. They can't, but it's like he's making a lot of noise in here. I don't quite, get, but yeah, they have the little meter. Like it all makes sense. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this movie when I watched it the most recent time, I was like, man, this could be almost a silent film, and you'd have as complex as things could get, you'd have a good idea of what's going on. Yeah. Without anyone, I mean, it's so visual. Um. I like the kind of the athleticism you have to use to like to make this work, like the poses he has to do and everything to like, how, how do I use a keyboard if I can't touch the ground? And it's like, well, that's how you just kind of de- you have to position your body this way and do all these different moves. It's very clever. Does he need those glasses? I don't know. It doesn't seem like Tom Cruise would need glasses, but here we are. <laughs> Isn't he using that to kind of keep? Oh, yeah, no, it's a camera, right? It's a yeah, camera. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. my bad. Yeah. Yeah, Vin Rames is... I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're completely right. Especially because that's no, a big. That's a big. That's a big thing of this movie in general. All the glasses that are cameras. That's how they find Phelps at the end. It's because he's wearing the glasses. I like that we're all very quiet. It's very intense, and there's, there's a rat in the background, and John Renault's like really intensely staring. I just think they could have That's set a up, well-trained rat. They could have set up better pivot points for him to have to not hold on for his dear life to keep Tom Cruise dangling in the air. <laughs> it's quite the the girdle he's wearing to <laughs> this thing too. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep him safe. Yeah. It is. I think fast- if he was making this movie today, I don't think he would have the harness. If he was making, yeah, if he was making this movie today, if he was making this movie today, he wouldn't like. He there wouldn't be CG for that bullet train sequence. He'd just be on the train, right? Yeah. Like that's how it have to do it. <laughs> my favorite cutest rat. One of my favorite tweets that I saw uh, uh, recently was, um, "It's it's like a fake quote from Tom Cruise. Like, don't worry, or um, it's what is it, um." No, put the bullets in for real. I got this. Tom Cruise on the set of the Deer Hunter remake. <laughs> <laughs> that cracked me up. That's a, that's that was funny. <laughs> 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 Ugh. Hanging right here. Oh my goodness. It is interesting to think like 
and you can kind of see the strings on his feet too um <laughs> the blu-ray he killed that rat it is neat to think that the audience is at this point is like maybe kind of it like depending on how complex they feel this plotting is like they're maybe up to speed is like okay they got to get a thing i don't know what it is exactly but the second this stuff starts happening it's like i'm very involved in everything going on in this story yeah. right now i don't care what they're trying to do i just don't want to touch the lava <laughs> well yeah exactly <laughs> Even if the, the minute details, I think most audiences would get that he's got to get in the computer and get a file and put it on the disc he's got. They're in the computer? <laughs> <laughs> now, this always, this kind of bugged me when I saw this the first time. I was like, all right, how's he going to get out of this? And it's just like the most logical is like, oh, he just put his hand under it. I was like, all right, that's, that's kinda, <laughs> it's pretty, it's not that, ex- it. not that exciting. <laughs> no, because he's just so close to the ground. It's like, how did he get his hand under this? Yeah. It's kind of a weird finale to this whole, like, what's going to happen here? Oh, oh no, oh, another one! So, and then, yeah, that backup one, that's the one. Yeah. It is the one's going to knock it down, it's going to knock it down! But his hand's like, it's like, that's a weird edit. I was he's like, how's his hand there? Ooh. Yeah, how does he pivot it that way? Like, what was it the back there? of his hand? His back of his hand would have yeah. made more sense. That's some Jim Phelps shooting himself shit right there, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Ving Rhames can apparently see that drop of sweat. Well, he sees, he sees the glasses. He sees the glasses. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Toast. I I love that passive-aggressive. Yeah. Toast. The look back that Tom Cruise gives when he starts getting pulled up. Here comes the eye. In the mouth. Not very sanitary. Time. I love the, the the color changes. Just the way that works too. I love that where like the floor is gonna like right when he opens the door, or no, so yeah, when the knife falls and then the, the door changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the right CG there, knife? yeah, yeah, oh yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah. Intruding countermeasures. It's oh. it's a great use of color though, like to really kind of emphasize how like, how much things matter, make it clear and plain to the audience. Mm-hmm. Visual storytelling, what have you. How does knife get here? Yeah, right. I assume I this guy was promptly fired afterwards as well. Mm-hmm. He gets like, he gets he sent to himself himself with it. He said get sent to Siberia. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There's a lie. I don't remember the exact details, but. I always felt bad for him. It wasn't his fault. All he did was like get, you know, drink spiked coffee. He was um, what's it called? Um, because she shows up. Diarrhea, cha cha cha. No, she was. She shows up in the red and everything, and like gets his attention. Uh, honey trap. <laughs> I guess he didn't even talk about it. <laughs> Why are these firefighters only helping these one person? <laughs> <laughs> this must be a Dwayne Johnson movie. We did it, guys. <laughs> Drinks on we me all, at the firehouse. We all sit in the front seat this time, guys. We're not just a team. We're a family. Hashtag family. Here's a split. Here's some split it's, di- that's some, a very De Palma shot right some, here. Some split, oh, diop- yeah. some split diopter action right going. Yeah. Radar Tower in Alaska. Poor guy. 
He's going to get his nights and days all screwed up. <laughs> He's going to get great crab, though. It's true. These exotic I locations get... we've gone to, guys. Virginia, London, Prague. <laughs> <laughs> and now we find out that Tom Cruise knows magic. He studied close-up magic on the, on the, on the internet. Mm. It's the same thing that Scott Lang used. And Agent Wu. And Agent Wu, yes. Randall Park's great in that movie. <laughs> he really is. I, I, they didn't need to give him that much to do, and I'm glad they did, obviously. I, I, I want them to bring back the one-shots just to get more of him in like, them. Oh, like, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Why can't he be the new like Agent Coulson? Yeah. Well, why can't they kill yeah. him? Why can't Loki kill him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad he he's uh he's in there now. It'd break my heart to have, would have haven't seen seen him be like Hail Hydra. It's like no, I laughed at you. <laughs> I like how impatient John Renault is at this point, where it's like, yeah, we got the thing, guys. Like, what? <laughs> well, he's drinking. He, you know, it kind of lowers his sense of patience. I do like that they're all kind of always wearing the same kind of thing. Yeah, they're like identified. Tom Cruise. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't have like, many clothes. Like Tom Cruise loves that jacket and he'll flip it between like a black shirt and that gray V neck. Ving Rames. Ving Rames packed all the turtlenecks. Well, he's, he like, he's like the he's the Bernie Mac of this series. Yeah. <laughs> he's got color, he's got style. Like that looks like a he loves that he loves <laughs> that moisturized hands. Exactly, yeah. He's big on moisturizer. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a big black man, he gets ashy. Mm. <laughs> But a lot of white people don't even know what Ashy is, so I mean, it's you know, it's, it's 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 not their problem. I think a lot of them were introduced to the idea of Ashy from Dave Chappelle's show. Yep, Ashy Larry. <laughs> Why is his name Ashley Larry? That's a weird name for a man. <laughs> Ashley's a boy's name. <laughs> that was a good trick. <laughs> I mean, you got you got out of his hands. It was all the way over there. I bought it. Like, it's not a card. It's a pretty thick CD. It's a, it's a good sleight of hand movie he has to do to like, pull that off. There's more impressive magic in this than the prestige. Yeah, that's what everyone says. Mm-hmm. That's to be fooled. That's an easier trick, though. Come on, Cruz. Get it together. <laughs> if you look in your back pocket, it also has your home address written. I also have your watch and your underwear. <laughs> I and, gave that to you actually. And a, a, a napkin with the uh, with the name J Phelps and a phone number scribbled on it. What's that mean? <laughs> There's a business card that says evil hire. <laughs> Double or two cross. What's that mean? <laughs> <laughs> And Judas said, <gasps> oh. <laughs> "Is this where he figures it out?" Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I they mean, keep he... they keep zooming in on it like three times in a yeah. row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they just really want millennials today to really get interested in a hotel called named after Drake. You know, you got to keep it consistent. I mean, I ahead. think most audience members are supposed to figure it out at that point. Yeah. And yet, I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. I mean, audiences. I mean, this is in the '90s. Somewhere in here, they just things start changing to what they want 
or what they flock to or will go see. Wasn't that weird? Because since we had like a seventies that was full of like espionage exactly. dramas that emphasized very complex and convoluted plotting, or maybe Sidney yeah. Pollock just shoots movies slower than these movies <laughs> do. You know, and this this may sound insane. I've never actually said this out loud, but something that's always crossed my mind is I have to wonder if, in, you know, to the extent that the internet represents general audiences, and obviously. I don't know if that's the case. But the whole, everything needs to be explained, plot hole this, plot hole that. I have to wonder if it's a generation that grew up on preschool television that, while some of it's very good, literally explains every plot beat and every character turn moment by moment for the duration of every single episode. Well, we also have come out of an era where there was a, a big hype on prequel things or rebooting to start over yeah. to show how some where it's unnecessary stuff, but they think that's now storytelling and how they you know how it how it's done. You have to know you have to know where you know Ethan Hunt ate breakfast in second grade is to understand <laughs> well, what gets, why he what goes gets, on this mission. What gets me with something like this? It's like this is the stuff that's complicated, but like we're all ready to buy time travel every single time it's interesting. It's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like there's no question about like T yep. two logic. It's like yeah, time travel back in time. I don't worry about paradoxes. Who cares? I just get it. Like it's like it's so easy yeah. to comprehend something absurd like time travel versus you know one guy's not on the level like everyone else is in this grounded spy thriller. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's because and, it's grounded. It, because it's grounded, it's sent in that realism. So people are expecting it to be at least more realistic. But it's spy about. fantasy. Like there's a there's yeah. a there's a thing with. I mean, nobody. Would, I mean, James Bond went to the ridiculous. Why can't Mission Impossible do that? But in the confines of a more, a more grounded reality. But it's still a, a, a movie. And I guess, yeah, Bond but I think is when people is... see a grounded film, it's. I mean, Going to give the idea they have to keep it realistic. Yeah, this is still fantasy. I mean, you want you want a uh, a real grounded spy movie. You, you go see the you know, spy who came in for the cold. You watch Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, like that's a real grounded spy movie. This is still in the action fantasy. Realm. I mean, yeah, we haven't talked about the masks whatsoever so far in this movie. But <laughs> 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 well, yeah. we haven't seen them in a while. Yeah, but like the movie does start with a mask. Which is yeah, which right. is kind of neat because it's like ILM showing off. It's like guys, we got masks. Like, don't worry about it. It's, it's gonna be cool. It just, it, honestly, it's just crazy that they found this many people that look like Tom Cruise. Yeah, or have that same Tom build. Cruise, like it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. That's why I always like Mission Impossible Three is the, like the 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 best use of masks as far as like they have to make one that looks convincing. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman, they go through like all the steps to show you it, and then and even trick you to show you it. Like it's very clever. Well, I like the fourth one where they it won't work. Yeah, well, yeah, I like how they they subverted yeah. in the fourth one, and then they the fifth one they they only do they actually do they yeah they use a mask because they use it at the end with yep. um with the the British guy right yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but like they but like Simon Pegg's like obsessed with masks so they he was really wants to use when he doesn't like is so this fun stuff yeah there. this extra in the overcoat's really blocking a lot of this shot guys yeah man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I, it's funny. Like, the seventies. I, I don't know what it is with audiences that they just, you know, wanted less engaging films. Maybe I don't know. I, I, not to say that these aren't engaging, but there's a, a there's a big difference in what people were flocking to then that they would just refuse to now. Like you know, The Godfather is not going to 
make mad money like it did in the 70s if it came out now well things were new in the 70s things were changing it was new. Then, so yeah it was amazing. Fresh. like godfather the godfather brought everything out of a slump like hollywood was declining before the godfather right came out. Yeah. it was a huge hit and then obviously jaws and star wars but like in between that yeah you have all the 70s thrillers and whatnot but it's all presented in a you know it's direct it's a lot of director driven stuff and things that you haven't seen before and are groundbreaking where it's like yeah i want to see something like that or like the reviews or word of mouth and the way they spread these movies around like it's way different versus mass the, the 80s after. probably 80s probably had the best balance of going to see everything and then like the 90s was they were starting to you know, flock more to the you know the they, Independence Days, they, the they, Men in Blacks. And... Balance is a good way to term it. I mean, even if I think the '80s, comparatively to the '90s and '70s, is lesser in other decades as well. But like, yeah, it's a mix of whether it's an action movie, a drama, a sports movie, a biopic. It's all delivering on the same kind of we all need to go see this level, which is impressive. Right, yeah, it's, yes. a, it's certainly yeah. impressive. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I also think you know I know I say this a lot, but I, I think it's important. You know, in the 80s and 90s, and the, I'd say the early 2000s to a certain extent, you still were in a point where you couldn't afford to have nonstop action and spectacle. Uh-huh. So you had to have a plot. You had to have characters and character interaction and dialogue scenes that were at least as entertaining, give or take, as the big action sequences. Because that was still going to be the bulk of your movie. It's why and that's the lesson Marvel knows with theirs. Yeah. They noticed that nobody liked the Harry Potter movies for the action scenes. Well, that's why Raimi's Spider-Man movies were so successful, I yeah. would argue. I mean, yeah. It's like, yeah. it's cool yeah. to see Spider-Man doing stuff, but you also, you know, you don't give, it's not too much of the Fonz. You don't just show him constantly yeah. swinging around doing action. You show him interacting in ways that comic book characters do with other people. Let's recap. <laughs> let's, let's rec- and, and X-Men knew that far too well with Charles and Professor uh-huh. Xavier, that they couldn't realize they could do it with more than just Charles. X-Men's, X-Men's a weird case with all of that because it's like, we clearly... They go, literally couldn't afford it. Well, it's like, we, we got all this stuff with these great actors, but we're still focusing so much on Wolverine. Like, it's such a weird lesson right. that they took away from those movies. Like, now granted, Hugh Jackman was a star. Like, he just nailed it yeah. as far as the charisma and everything he brought to what he needed to do. But it's like, it's such a mix of... We have two great thespians delivering constantly good monologues and back-and-forth dialogue, and we also have the gruff, you know, Canadian character, like, and, and give him stuff to do. And it's, you know, he got his own franchise, so it's like, and the, the Magneto movie, couldn't they couldn't make that work. So now we've had this whole thing over-explained, and yeah, people now, are like, yeah, how Activision is he impossible. still alive? Yeah. How is he still alive? John, John really should have changed up his knives. That probably would have helped him yeah. in all of this. <laughs> he seems like a guy that would collect a lot of knives too, so there's no excuse really. I want him to bring the hat back. He needs. The... He's wearing the Jallo costume. Is what he's got. Yeah, he's, like, he's, probably, he's, he's like, probably intentional from DePaul. I would. Yeah, like, I would be surprised. It's just a village trend. He's got the, tra- the black trench coat, the yeah. hat, and the gloves, and the knife. Yeah, he he stepped off of um, <laughs> of phenomena. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Specifically, phenomena, all the bugs and stuff. <laughs> oh, that's man, a, this, that's a this cool split. Looks beautiful in 4K. It, by it looks the way. great. It's right yeah, here, that's a good shot. That's a great femme fatale shot too. Like, yeah, the idea of, like just the epitome of femme fatale. An explosion going off as she looks sinisterly into camera. So femme fatale, it inspired femme fatale. Exactly, yeah, starring that's... Mystique, <laughs> starring Mystique and Zorro. Yeah. What was it? Did Palma's next? Is the Snake Eyes? Snake Eyes. Uh, yes. Which has things to appreciate. That it, has, I, has I, the op- it has its, it's, t- its touch of evil opening, and it's... Uh, yeah. 
It's got Cage is fun. Cage is he's, um, he's off the. Is he like? Is he cocaine in that movie? Is that the idea? Is that part? Yeah, of it? yeah, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's corrupt and cocaine. And uh, I mean, there's a, there's a, yeah, there's good stuff in that movie. It just didn't all come together. And Gary Sinise is I like Gary Sinise in that movie. Yeah, that was when Gary Sinise was like I think the bad guy all the time. Yeah. Gary Sinise got or Cage got fucked up in that movie too. He got beat up a lot in Snake Eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, no, is a, I can, this is a good because I this is a good De Palma. I mean, I know Brandon. I think you're a bigger fan of De Palma than I am, but um, mm-hmm. uh, Carlito's Way I love. I, that's I like. Oh no, that's, I, good. that's I, good I, I like the, I like Carlito's Way more than Scarface. So it's like he's coming off of that. Like he's in mm-hmm. top four. I mean, that was a that was a hit, right, Scott? Was Carlito's Way a hit? Well, uh, not really. Not really. In any standards, it would be. But I mean, it, it opened the same weekend as the Three Musketeers. Oh, did about nine point three million opening weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, it did okay. I guess because it's not explicitly. There's a reason he did this afterwards. It's a. I'm curious. Was it explicitly said as like the guys that made Scarface and made a, a movie? Yeah. Like, because you know, nowadays it would it just would be a sequel to Scarface as opposed to a yeah. spiritual yeah. sequel. <laughs> I mean, this is this probably this is De Palma's last great film. Like, uh, you know, I I can appreciate Snake Eyes. There's Femme Fatale has its fans, but Mission to Mars people like. <laughs> Yeah, but there's some good stuff in that. There is. I don't there, like. There is I, good stuff in it, and I, I think that's part of like De Palma yeah. post this is mm-hmm. his movies would have things to enjoy that just all together just not. The Black uh, Dahlia was a huge disappointment for me. I was really excited oh, yeah, about Black yeah, Dahlia. Yeah. Why are we talking about Mission to Mars, guys? Uh, uh, Tim Robbins takes his helmet off. <laughs> True. I, I think Gary um, Sinise. Gary Sinise is good. It's a good. Yeah. It's a well acted movie. I really. I mean, I yeah. think like like Sheetle's great. Jerry O'Connell's great. In Mission to Mars. Like, there's a lot of good things in there. Yeah. There's some good. Yeah, I, there's I some cried good, um, when Tim Robbins bit it. There's know? some good De Palma tension in that movie. Like, there's a like I think like the spaceship gets damaged and you know it's damaged. So it's a lot of it's, mm-hmm. it's like Hitchcock in space at some points and it's like oh that's clever. There's, oh, yeah. a, there's a violent Mars tornado that rips a guy into pieces, and it's rated PG, so I'm like, oh, that's kind of horrifying. Yeah, I was here yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I assume this is De Palma's biggest movie, box office-wise. Oh, uh, yes. Like, yeah. even with inflation on, like, what, Carrie? I can't imagine it being... Uh, <laughs> in terms of big, big hits, it's basically this, Carrie, and The Untouchables. Untou- oh yeah, Untouchables. I forget about it. Yeah. Okay, because but because I'm the, I'm the one guy that doesn't think Untouchables is very good, so I forget about it a lot. Uh, of the guys okay. that bo- boomed in the '70s, he actually had a pretty good '80s De Palma that compared to like you know Coppola would well, fall of course, off, Chimino would fall in the '80s. Yeah, because because only because sp- of that group, only Spielberg and Lucas were successful at that time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Scorsese. We look back finally on his '80s, some of his '80s output. But I mean, like King of Comedy wasn't well accepted back then. I mean, Goodfellas was like comeback. Yeah, After Hours is like, like, hey, that's a weird lark. And then talk. Well, what uh, Color of Money with Tom Cruise? That's like, it's like Last Temptation of Christ, which was widely accepted by everybody and and completely not frowned upon. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, Scorsese didn't have his like pop. Comeback. I mean, we can look back differently on his things oh, now. But he has time. a hell of a pop comeback. He directed Bad. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. That's right. That's true. Come on, yes. guys. Come on, guys. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> Commentary over. Uh, uh, but no, like the, yeah, the Palma's I mean, '80s isn't bad compared to like some of his brethren. That well. All the blockbuster Raging Bull. Movies. Raging Bull is like well, that that's, was that's, a flop. That's the and it's the that's the end of the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's nice that and the end of the game kind of killed the seventies. Yeah, 
Heaven's Gate would get it. Um, Heaven's Gate, Heaven's Gate is like the poster child of like killing yeah. the director. Uh, it kind of did. I mean, it was you know, it was the Watchmen of its day. Ha ha ha. Um. Yeah, except except Chimino didn't go on to spearhead an entire comic book franchise after that movie. <laughs> yeah. And Snyder didn't break a studio. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, Snyder didn't bankrupt Warner Brothers and Legendary. <laughs> um, yeah, it's more like everybody's Cutthroat Island, you know? Yeah. Uh. I like Cutthroat Island. Is that Harlan's last too. like Finally. big movie? Does Harlan get anything huge after that? Uh, uh no, because the last Kiss Goodnight wasn't terribly successful either. Yeah, it was kind of like yeah. I guess that's, that's still that was, it's still a big budget. Deep Blue Sea did well. Okay, if I forgot yeah. about Deep Blue Sea. Ninety nine. Yeah. yeah. That's because well, LL had a hit single that yeah. summer. Yeah. <laughs> head is like Most a shark's fin. My head is like a fin, yeah. <laughs> Deepest, bluest, my head is like a shark's face. I love the introduction of this bullet train as in, just the way it's shot, it's like, this is our climax. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a really cool intro to, like, this sequence. Look at that old-ass um, stereo system they had. This movie, got a, this movie needs to wrap up quick so I can get to equalizing. Mm. <laughs> it's almost over. I know. Just leave, just leave the recording theater. on, Aaron, we got this. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. How far is your theater? <laughs> this is some of the commentary. Um, it's like it's, 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 it's four miles. It's four miles away. It's not. If far. you were to take a bullet train, how long would it take you to get to? <laughs> not long. But I got my movie I mean, pass. Be... So as long and as you're the... sitting next to Vanessa Redgrave, if it says the... she's going to, if it says the prices are surging on movie pass, I'm gonna be really pissed off because nobody's gonna be at a 10:30 Equalizer two showing. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I will take a picture and tweet it to movie pass if they tell me I have to pay an extra three dollars for Equalizer two. Unbelievable. Anyway, they, I haven't had one of those happen yet. Do they do that after? Why are we talking about this? Now? I don't. We don't need to talk about this right now. <laughs> anyway, so look at this cool scene. It's about to build up because you don't really know who's under that curtain. You know, are those trees moving awfully slow for the bullet train? Yes, the long trees. Aaron. Clearly, you've never been to Europe. They're very wide trees. It's time travel. It's a Nickelodeon. Yeah, just, I'm, wi- I'm winding the, the window. The train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Loading these little guns. You're very specifically showing him loading two bullets. Three. That's why. He, well, that's why he does not, you know, try to shoot Ethan after, you know, he accidentally shoots her. Not accidentally. Uh, that was well, something that everybody was confused about. Like, well, because he ran out of bullets. Yeah. I like a... how they have her sitting next to a like rather huge guy. So it's like, what? oh, yeah. they won't see her. They, they can walk right him, by. Let's call him a John Candy type. <laughs> I like that Ving Rames is right there next to her. <laughs> right. Lee blends. Well, yeah, it's because Ving, uh, Vanessa Redgrave doesn't see color. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So I love Kittreds and his number two. They obviously look like narcs. Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, yeah, they're wearing these big brown jackets. Like, yeah. they're gonna come to somebody like, "Do you guys want to smoke a weed?" Unbelievable. 
I would entertain Henry Chesney, Cherney, Henry, his name. It has a C and a Z, so it's complicated. Uh, I would entertain seeing him, like, at, like, concerts. Like, hey, local teenagers, what's happening? (laughs) Hello, fellow kids. Yeah, let's do the Steve Buscemi thing. (laughs) She's so happy in this scene. She's having a ball in this movie. (laughs) She gets to play, like... I'm a, what is she, like an arms dealer or whatever? It's like, I'm, yeah. I'm just evil. <laughs> I sell guns to kids. I don't care. Like, that's like her whole role in this movie. I mean, uh, you know, ageism, yada, yada, yada. I think having quirky old women in movies adds a certain flavor to them. Well, that's why I, sug- I wish more would do. I, that's why I suggest Judy Dench for everything. Because it's just, yeah. it, it's, I'm always serious about it. Because it's like, that would, that would be fun to have. <laughs> like, that's a, it's a different idea. See, I'm more of a Helen Mirren go-to guy. Yeah, but she, I mean, she's she's the in flavor, it seems, for a lot of people, so that's why I don't say Helen Mirren too much. Mm. I mean, she got her Fast and Furious movie like she asked for. What else does she need? <laughs> a car stunt? Mm-hmm. And who is it on, um, what's her name, Emma Peel, um, that's on Game of Thrones? Um, oh, um, uh, Diana Rigg. Diana Rigg, yeah. I'm, not, I'm surprised she's not in more movies since doing all that stuff on Game of Thrones. It's like he's great there. Like, well, you know, what, one of the not that it's like a big blockbuster, but one of the more fun scenes in uh, Wolf of Wall Street is when DiCaprio's with uh, what's her name on the park bench, uh, the older woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yes. Um, oh, who is it? Who's looking it up? I am. <laughs> It's like Margot Robbie's grandma or whatever, but her aunt or whatever. Her aunt, yeah. It's one of I mean, the funnest scenes in the movie, and it's got the, that. Yeah. No, go ahead. Nope. I was just gonna yeah, talk it's about Joanna this. Lumley. Jo- okay. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get the point of the sequence, and it works. But every time I watch this film, when he pulls off his mask, Tom Cruise looks like a little kid trying to dress up like an adult to get into an already movie. Hmm. Yeah, because he's cause he's so like he's wearing all those the nart clothes. Yeah, he's short. Yeah, yeah, and he's small. <laughs> little baby. There's little Tom Cruise's standing on each other's shoulders into that. Exactly. <laughs> Where's the other John Floyd? Uh, he's he's in the badass. I'm I'm escaping suit. Oh yeah, he's put yeah he's put his... look, He looks like he's gonna go yeah. play like racquetball at the. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get those goggles on. <laughs> I'm now dressed like Terrorist Five from generic '90s action movie with a plane. I'm just so fascinated by John Floyd now trying to like, explain these things. And I think when I, was gro- when I was growing up and watching this, I, the thing that confused me the most were, who are the Gideons? Because yeah. <laughs> I was not familiar. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Did I miss something? Now, there is a deleted scene... Of him and her actually having sex after they recruit Bing Rames and Jean Reno on the train, but it was cut just for time and what have you. It went to Tom Cruise's personal collection. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, she's certainly to type. 
So the goal here is what? He kills Ethan. Gets all the Get, money. Gets all the money. Does he in this plan does he take his wife with him for this bullet train escape plot that they're going with? Uh or is he always I gonna so. is he always gonna kill her? He he loaded two bullets. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny that like now, twenty two years later, ten million dollars, you're like, is that it? <laughs> all that for that your your pension doesn't give you let's start a makeup line or something guys come on no, good thing Kittridge was looking at his watch at that moment no kidding <laughs> yeah Apple watch hey guys Damn. Jim Phelps should have been more on his game on that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then he does glasses. That's always... Yeah. yeah, that's it. Like, why would Ethan think he wouldn't shoot him? I don't know what Ethan's plan is in all of this at this point. <laughs> like, it's... it's just to reveal Jim Phelps. So I, well, I know, but it's like his... I love that fall, by the way. That's such a weird, like... He just takes yeah. a hard fall right on his side. And it's like, head hits the thing. But, like... Yeah, he reveals Jim Phelps, but, like, he's putting himself into a lot of danger here. <laughs> it's the risk. He's got to clear himself, or he's on the run for his whole life. Yeah, you're right, yeah. He it's, gotta... it's, it's and not, he has to clear his family. It's, not, the it's one. not mission difficult. That you never it's hear mission, about again. mission impossible. So. Yeah. <laughs> difficult should be a walk in the park. <laughs> Robert Town wrote that. <laughs> Classic literature, man. <laughs> Chinatown's Robert Town. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, they would tell like, the top... Why is he? Why is he that mad that she got killed? Like, she was a traitor well, too. I think he's just pissed in general. I mean, I would be too. I he agree. shot her. Yeah, he was. He shot they her. They were involved in a deleted scene. Oh, word. And you didn't, get the handout, you didn't get the handout when you went to the movie and said, hey, <laughs> a, a scene has been removed from the film. Well, you saw it in the trailer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's in the trailer. I have to say, visual, I mean, visually, this oh, train great. sequence holds up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is ILM. This is ILM showing off. They're like, guys, we got this. Like, I, I, I like when ILM gets involved in these kind of things where it's like, we know we can do this. Today, Tom Cruise would really be doing yeah, this. Yeah, he'd on be the on the train oh, yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. And there'd be like a tank and and a flying <laughs> tank. And, uh, I don't know. No, they, they, uh, they, they, he'd have a, hel- a real helicopter that he cloned himself so he could also fly it. Like it'd just be everything. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. And this is this is an example of yes, this is a remarkable special effect and this is an incredible action sequence. But when you're watching, it's actually a pretty small scale sequence. It's two guys. Barely fighting each other on a train. Yeah, they don't not really fight. Really yeah, going so fast, and there's one helicopter somewhat in the distance. I do like that. There's a level of logic they apply to all of this, even yes. though, it, despite the yes, the helicopter doesn't can't go in that tunnel. That's impossible. But like the fact that it's speeding, they can't just be two guys standing on top of a train. It, they they have yeah. to incorporate the fact that it's mm-hmm. a bullet train. That, that's clever. Which I was I happy. Mean, like the Wolverine does that too, which is why the Wolverine is pretty cool. Also, like they have that yeah. skill, the bullet train sequence. I mean, the the stakes in this movie are spy related only. I mean, yeah, yeah. The the world's yeah. not in jeopardy. There's no nukes mm-hmm. going off. It's a matter of if like this guy gets it's, his money and Vanessa Redgrave makes like gets you know codes or gets a list. Yeah, or it's a knock list. Oh, yeah, there's, there's a list of spies and a yeah. 
We'll kill all the undercover agents. I, I yeah. love that Tom Cruise screams in joy yeah. that he did that before getting yeah. knocked off the side of the train. <laughs> the next one is what about stopping like a disease from hitting the world? Yes. Kind yeah. of world stake. Because the he, third one. Because he buys stuff. Third sticks. one, not really. It's no, the third one. The third one's a giant MacGuffin. The third one. It's, it's a we don't know we don't know it's what it is that's all. yeah it's, it's the point. yeah but yeah the, the the stakes is a MacGuffin it's the rabbit's foot right it's it's, it's some kind of right. doomsday device maybe or whatever but Philip Hop, Hoppin's got to sell it <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then what four is a, a missile four is a nuke no it's one nuke. of those yeah it's four it's... four is Thanos four is him doing being Thanos that's what he's doing he's doing yeah. he wants to kill the population and so yeah. so the world can succeed. And uh, five, five is actually pretty diabolical because five, the villains actually gotten away with a lot of things before they actually catch yeah. him. <laughs> He's actually killed a lot of people. Yeah, I, I, I'm the author of your doom. It's kind of a mix. Yeah, Ethan. it's kind of it's kind of a mix because it's both personal because it's all about Ethan and he's saving right. Simon Pegg essentially is like the last thing he has to do. Mixed with this guy's already accomplished a whole lot with the syndicate. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is tense. <laughs> Mondays, right? There's so many like, like watching this now. You just remember all these shots and how, like, the earlier reaction to him um, watching the car blow up. All these iconic images. So mm-hmm. him on the side of the bullet train, mm-hmm. him jumping through. Like, there's just scene after scene of just memorable things. And you know, for better or worse, a lot of it was in the trailer. And this was yeah. a key part of the marketing. Uh, in fact, this is one of the first times where I'm watching a movie and I'm thinking, shit, I know how the bad guy dies because of the trailer. Yeah, don't they? Yeah, they, they show the, the helicopter exploding, yeah, right? In the trailer. Yeah, that's, yeah, which is a that great was the I mean, damn thing I'd ever seen back then. It still is one of the coolest damn things you yeah. can see. <laughs> like, yeah. it's because well, the Golden Eye basically invented the modern movie trailer. But, like, the, the music is so cool in these things. Yeah. Like when he gets the gum on, the theme starts playing and just like, you know. Oh, no, it, it's like a, it's a perfect, like, little finish. Uh huh. Well, that's and that's it's got this little hero music. I mean, and then, that's why like Brad Bird's a per- Brad Bird's a perfect choice for Ghost because because Michael Giacchino's involved there and Giacchino's incredible yeah. score is so much like yes. <laughs> so that... <laughs> he says it in everything. Yeah. Oh no. Pasta lasagna. Don't get any on you. <laughs> it's because that like is it's like that, it's such a great like mix of ILM's visuals and like Tom Cruise's face just right there in the camera. It's such a cool thing. Like you don't see that. You had to time that explosion well, it was to make it back to the train. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it, it's yes, we had seen scenes of characters flying toward the camera, but that that image was just. We, I mean, I had never seen anything like it. And like you're saying, I mean, it's a mix. You so can't, good. Because the, you can't afford to do this constantly like you can now, that's yeah. it. That's the one you get, and it's like, it's amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. Even this guy's impressed. Look at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and man, this is really going to screw up the bullet train service. <laughs> Did Marcellus Wallace just hand me the knock list? <laughs> that's what was in the Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. man. Yeah, he just popped out of a rice paddy and popped a cap in his ass. Man, it'd be fun to bring back some of these characters. Right? Yeah. 
Like in Ghost what, Protocol, what there is the president now. That I I just assume he is. Uh, in Ghost <laughs> Protocol, there's that scene where they put the mask over Tom Cruise. I'm like, is Vanessa Redgrave about to pop up in this movie right now? Because that'd be great. No, isn't. But still, I was really excited for a second. <laughs> Got the leather jacket back on. No, no I don't think he ever does. Took he it still off. wear it? In does he wear it at the end of Ghost Protocol? No, he has the hoodie still. He's still hooding it up. They have a nice little scene like this at the end of that. Yeah. All all of these, with the exception of, I guess, Rogue Nation, kind of, like, all of these movies have this kind of relaxed, like, wasn't that cool, <laughs> like, ending? <laughs> Everybody has a, yeah, they always have the shawarma scene. They're all like, yeah, or yeah. Pineapple Express. That's my favorite, yeah. like, man, right, that was yeah, so was cool, the... we did that thing. <laughs> like, that's, I, love, I love that ending, where they're complimenting each other on the action sequences they just went through. <laughs> Danny McBride is dying. Yeah. It's like, you should really get to your hospital. Yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah, every one of these, though. I'm thinking about it now. Like, yeah, this is just them ch- chilling uh, before he gets on a plane and gets a mission again. Like, what, two's just him and Thandie Newton, like, walking in the park. Three's, three's, three's the big family reunion ending with Ving Rhames putting his fingers up in the air. Yeah! Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like yeah, us. We're all amazing. Four's all them, like, just goofing around after Ving Rhames makes fun of Tom Cruise and flips him off and doesn't pay for his drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, five's the only one where it's like it doesn't even have crews. It's just Renner and Bal- Alec Baldwin just like palling around, being like, "I guess you're the director now." Yeah. See, I want to know the logistics of this type of stuff. Like, how do they know? Like, is the stewardess involved? Yeah, oh, of I'm course. Sorry, the flight attendant. Of course, she's involved. Yeah, she, she has to say the like, codes to him. But is she just always on the ready? Yeah, it's a pl- it's an IMF plane. I assume he's in first class. Oh. <laughs> But then he doesn't smoke, so does he have a pack of cigarettes ready to go in case the tape blows up? And if it's an <laughs> Iron Man plane, why bother with all the... All the, all the show huge. stuff? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's fun. No, it's very fun. All right, yeah. Alan, being a modern audience. Shut up, cinema sins. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open uh, up my my dare. my screen ramp profile so I can write Mission Impossible's ending explained for you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, that was Mission Impossible. Ten things yeah, to was. take from Mission Impossible's ending. I was ready for the next one as soon as it ended. I was. Oh, was I? Yeah. Yep. And then I got Mission Impossible two. And I was happy. Yeah, so I've it watched was... these backwards essentially since I watched four and five, then I watched three not too long ago, and I watched two just before this. So. Which yeah. two two was well received at the time. Yeah. And, uh, and pretty it's... iconic itself. I mean that thing was everybody yeah. knew of everybody the stuff in that movie. It, it seemed like it was yeah. accepted as like this is fun summer stuff. Like Right, yeah, yeah, yeah yep. There was <laughs> a little too much done with the masks in that movie, but you know, that was the, that was kind of the vibe. Wait, when did Gladiator come? Was that the Memorial Day movie? Uh, two weeks earlier. Oh, it was early. Wait, what? When did Mission Impossible yeah. 2 come out? Was that Memorial Day? Uh, yes, Memorial Day weekend. Okay. Okay, so I, I switched them around. Okay, that's what that's what the problem is. Everyone had a, bla- everyone had a blast with that movie. There it is, like, just couldn't stop talking. But man, happy ending. Everyone lives. They high-five each other. All the tigers are set free. Like, it's just like just a role they had with that movie. Then it won Best Picture. It's very weird, that movie. Yeah. <laughs> was better. <laughs> Uh, they filmed yeah, it still holds up. They filmed in Scotland? Like, four weeks after this was The Patriot, you know? Oh. And Perfect Storm. That was, a, that was a hell of a twofer that weekend. 
Yeah. Who's seen Perfect Storm ever since that movie came out? Like, I, I can't... I, can't. I liked it, but yeah, I haven't rewatched it's it. It's not... It's... It, yeah. Which is weird, like, Wolfgang Peterson movies, like... Because we've talked about... When we do our In the Line of Fire commentary, I think we'll have plenty to say about some <laughs> of these go. things. This anyway. summer, Shaft came out this summer. Yeah. I, I've watched Shaft multiple times. I've watched Perfect Storm more than once. I can tell you that. Batman versus Nick Fury. <laughs> versus... Uh, with with uh, Halloween Resurrections, Buster Ryan. Featuring Felix Leiter. Yes. And they're all that, excellent. That, Christian Bale and Jeffrey Wright are yeah, excellent in that movie. Yeah, well acted movie. movie. And, oh, yeah. and Tony Collette. <laughs> and, it was the first. It was the breakout for Tony Collette too. And to, and well, success. No, she already had success. Success. success yeah, but this was disgusting. her. That was her. This was her reward. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's coming out. Yeah, Jeffrey she, Wright. She, I mean, yeah. I knew him. I think I had seen him once or twice somewhere else. But this was that was his that was his big breakout moment. I mean, they cut out all of Christian Bale's scenes so he could have more screen time. But Christian Bale's still really good in that movie. Which is still yeah. a terrible movie. He's perfect. Yeah. Great. I mean, honestly, the only person that isn't terrific occasionally is Sam Jackson. Well, because he's playing just Sam Jackson. Yeah. He's just, yeah, he's, he's, sometimes he's playing the stereotype. Um, it's his duty but, to lose that booty. But otherwise, that movie, which I liked in 2000, has aged incredibly well today. Yeah. Oh, for sure. As far as what's going on in that movie, easily. Yeah. <laughs> like that, yeah. It's ridiculous how it's it's sad, really, how well that movie still holds up. That's yeah. that's the problem with it. It sucks that Singleton and Jackson didn't had some disagreements, and we didn't get more shafts. Yeah. But... I would have liked to see them go to Africa. <laughs> yeah. Shaft back, no, in Af- back to score. Africa. We have to wait for Avengers Four. Still avenging. As soon as we find, as soon as we find more Avengers, it's a long title for that movie for them to presumably go to Africa. I assume Nick Fury comes back and it's like, what Wakanda? This place is awesome. <laughs> Why wasn't I told about this place? Anyway, that's been our Mission Impossible commentary, guys. I think we had a lot of fun talking about a lot of yeah. things. Um, what's Time next? Blue. What's next month? August. Um, uh, we'll figure that out. Probably should maybe a shark movie for the Meg. <laughs> Got some options deep there. Blue sea. Yeah, deep, deep blue sea. Blue sea. There you go. That's going. that's a good possibility. I think this might even yeah, be on our list. Yeah, that might work. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what we come up with. But regardless, Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. We book it. Maybe. Oh, maybe. Jaws 3D. When do you have to join? Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But regardless, let's let's start wrapping things up here. So, uh, where should people where can people find everybody's work? online scott yeah forbes yeah still, still there yeah, still forbes. <laughs> uh brandon cult cinema cavalcade cult cinema cavalcade dot com we uh we have you aaron on our latest episode coming out for another great 90s action movie firestorm with howie long indeed that's it then, uh, then after that, we have uh, Ventures in Babysitting with uh, Sarah Priebus from HQ Trivia. So, really? Dick with fun. Cult Cinema Cavalcade, yes. Very cool. Alan? I mean, past episodes are out now. <laughs> yeah. I should start <laughs> I doing mean, you first when, when Scott and Brandon are going to promote yeah, no, all this no, stuff. Yeah, no, no, I don't mind going last. Like the, oh, yeah, here. I'm always the, uh, oh, we're ending with this. That's cool. I make them sound way cooler. Um, you can just find me on Instagram, I guess. A-L-D-O-R-A-Y-N-E. I don't really have any... I mean, I'm working on something. I'll need to talk to you about this later, Aaron, but I think I'm working on something. Okay, cool. 
Uh, you can find all, you can find me at uh, We Live Entertainment at Wise the Blue on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. You can find all the other episodes about now there today over on iTunes Audio Boom. You can find our Facebook page Twitter. You know you can find all our stuff. Uh, Brandon Scott Allen, thank you all for joining me for this Mission Impossible commentary. Always, it was man. a good mission welcome. I chose to accept. Oh, good mm. mission accomplished. Hey, that's the job. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's gonna do it for this. Uh, commentary track uh we got plenty of other regular episodes and far as bone and bonus episodes of course coming your way as well but until next time so long and goodbye and equalize